3: if you dare.
0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes
5: everything.
6: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Radio.
5: Happy Super Bowl weekend, everybody. I am your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. Love me some Super Bowl weekend we got about, what, 36 hours to go, maybe a little less than that. Maybe we're down to 30 hours. Thank you for joining us. The most fun weekend radio show in the country. I can guarantee you that. Because I know people who listen to all of them, and they swear this show is the most fun. But I'm going to say, this two-week wait for the Super Bowl, thank goodness it's over, right? I mean, it's been a snoozer for football. You did have some crazy NBA news this week that that kind of sped things up. We had the Blake Griffin trade, which we're going to get to shortly. I've got an angle on that. You haven't heard anywhere. And um, Blake Griffin, I know he's got some family out here in L.A. Might want to turn off the show for that point. I do like Blake Griffin, but that could be, you know, some tough love. Um, obviously, the injuries throughout the league. Oh, my gosh. Everybody's dropping in the NBA. And, of course, you had the big Alex Smith trade, which I absolutely love from one side, hate from the other. We're going to dive into that. Luckily, you had all that news because there was really no Super Bowl juice. I got buddies texting me from frigid Minnesota. And it's like, how are things? And all they send me back is a screen grab of like negative three degrees. You know, haven't been outside. Don't want to go outside. Apparently, the party scene's drying up. Fortunately, fortunately, there is some good news on the Super Bowl front. The game should be pretty good. It always is involving the Patriots, right? I'm a big-picture guy, so I'm not going to break down X's and O's here for you. Everybody knows that's boring, okay? So we're going to look deep into some aspects of the game and and football big-picture. And, and and I've been reading some self-help books here in 2018. You know, I'm trying to better myself, right? Don't we all do that? New Year's resolutions, you're going to do something different. And there's one thing I keep getting hung up on the Super Bowl that that I've got to talk to you about. And, and we talk all season on this show about how the NFL is a week-to-week league, right? Never read too much into what you saw last week, okay? No team is as good or as bad as they were the week prior. This is similar to your life. When you are out on the bar scene, thinking you're smooth with the ladies, you're never as good as the game you kicked last week. That might have been your topping out point, okay? You're never as good or bad as what you did last week. So who are the real Philadelphia Eagles? Are they the team that barely beat the Falcons in the opening round of the playoffs, had to hang on in their first game, and they looked mediocre playing at home? Or are they the team that pistol whipped the Vikings in the NFC uh, Championship game? I mean, which team are the Philadelphia Eagles? The hype train for the Eagles is so out of control right now. I mean, the show before this on Fox Sports Radio Everybody's picking the Eagles. Did you guys hear? Every single person is picking the Eagles. Turn on your TV. Turn on your radio. Oh, yeah, it's the Eagles. Oh, yeah, I love the Eagles. I love this spot. Uh, uh, let me pump the brakes for you. This, uh, You know, Philadelphia fans, just relax for a moment, okay? The last time I can remember a public person, a public team, overwhelmingly being loved and being the underdog was last summer when Conor McGregor fought Floyd Mayweather. Remember that? Everybody, everybody loved McGregor. All the underdog money. Oh, come on, we're really rooting for Conor McGregor. He can do it. I don't like that Floyd Mayweather guy. He's so cocky. He's so arrogant. He's just throwing money up in the air at strippers. He's got this sordid background. I don't like Floyd Mayweather. I'm going to put my money on Conor McGregor. Everybody said that. Listen, there's no shame in my game. I fell for it. I came on this show and said, I think McGregor could pull it off. Producer Rob, I'll never forget the look he gave me. And uh, no, yeah, Jason, I follow boxing. It's not happening. <laughs> hey, you know, it was one of those. Okay. Oh, okay, all right, I got it. Folks, all the money in the last two weeks has been on the Eagles. Brent Musburger came on the show last week and said $4 million. Four million dollar bets, four individual bets over a million dollars, are all on the Eagles. Not any of them on the New England Patriots. And you're like, wait a minute. What's going on here? Well, think back to Mayweather McGregor. What happened? Up until about the third round, Conor McGregor looked decent. This guy can box. He can hang in the ring. And then Floyd Mayweather, the greatest boxer of his generation, started to systematically pick apart McGregor won by TKO in the 10th round. It was easy to root for Conor McGregor, who was a much better story than Mayweather. I mean, the guy had never boxed before. He had the heart of a lion. Talked a really good game. Loved everything about McGregor. The betting public fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. And what happened? They lost bigly. It was ugly. It was a bloodbath, and Vegas rejoiced. They won all the money. Well, here we are, a team playing in the Super Bowl. Narrow underdog. Right? And you guys know that when the public loves an underdog, look out! Because the public don't usually like underdogs. The public bets on favorites. I have friends texting me in Vegas this weekend. Hey, Jay, you want me to throw some money on the uh, money line for you on the Eagles? Uh, 100? You want 100 on the Eagles money line? It's a good payout. I'm like, are you crazy? Are Are you out of your mind? I mean, all over social media, all anybody's talking about is the Eagles. Hey, hey, everyone! Nick Foles. One of the best conference championship games I've ever seen. Come on, it's Nick Foles. Uh, folks, you are betting on Nick Foles. You got that? It's not just the Nick Foles from the last game you saw. I mean, this line opened in, in what's called the look-ahead line, right? The week before the game, the Patriots, hypothetically, if they were to face the Eagles, would have been favored by a touchdown. Then it went down to, it opened around 6.5 when it was officially a game. Then it was quickly 6. 5.5. 5. 4.5. It went down to 4 this week. I actually heard some some jabronis saying, oh, I'm going to love the Patriots at a field goal. I mean, folks, people are losing their minds. Now, I believe this morning it's back at 4.5. We will check it uh, during the show because, you know, everybody heads to Vegas for the weekend. But uh, in case you missed that, I want to recap for you. The public loved Conor McGregor, the plucky underdog everybody was really rooting for and kind of forgot or maybe blocked it out by design that you're not supposed to bet with your heart over your head. Floyd Mayweather was one of the greatest boxers of all time. He's one of the greatest boxers of his generation. People are forgetting who these Patriots are. I know they didn't look sharp against the Jaguars. They should have lost that game playing at home against Blake Bortles. But we're talking about Belichick, greatest coach in NFL history, Tom Brady. We're not going to even debate the greatest quarterback in NFL history. We we stopped doing that, what, three years ago when he beat the Seahawks. Folks, this is the greatest dynasty in the history of modern sports. We're forgetting that because we're swept up in this underdog narrative of the Philadelphia Eagles, that uh, hard luck franchise that... You know, they just haven't won a Super Bowl. We're going to have an Eagles quarterback on the show here in about an hour who led the Eagles to a Super Bowl. Just by doing that, you're a made man in Philadelphia forever. You get free cheesesteaks wherever you go if you can lead the Eagles just to the Super Bowl, not winning the game. Okay? That's where we are. And I know, Jason, wait a sec, you've been bashing the Patriots all season. You're darn right I have. This is not a great Patriots team by any stretch of the imagination. And I maintain, as I had been saying on this show, I said it on FS1, I thought the Steelers were the best team in the AFC all season. When they got robbed of that touchdown at home against the Patriots, the Jesse James touchdown, pulled it off the board. You knew. There it goes. There, That, that was their shot. They were going to the Super Bowl if the Steelers had home field advantage. I know they had home field. They lost at home to the Jags. Totally different story. If they had won that game, I felt the Steelers were the best team in the AFC. They were going to the Super Bowl. This is not a great Patriots team. And I've bashed Bill Belichick a lot. Okay? I mean, (laughs) you got clobbered by Alex Smith in the opener. That first half of the season, the Patriots defense was a joke. I mean, the Jimmy Garoppolo trade was stupid. I don't know what Belichick was thinking. A lot of conspiracy theories floating on that one. And, And let's face it. This Belichick versus Brady over the spiritual guru. I mean, that wasn't a good look for Belichick. But it's not about that. That's the season of everything. This is down to one game. And overwhelmingly, the Patriots are better than the Eagles with Nick Foles. Now, if Carson Wentz were here, totally different story. I mean, where are the advantages for the Patriots? Coach, of course, a decade ago. The coach of the Eagles was coaching high school football in Louisiana. Bill Belichick, he's going to his eighth Super Bowl. Tom Brady, major advantage. Experience, major advantage to the Patriots. That's why the betting public is the public. They don't know. They haven't been paying attention. They're getting swept up in their emotions of this game. And maybe the Eagles can do it. Maybe this is their year. Guys. I'm not, I'm not going to spend three hours bashing Nick Foles here, but he's Nick Foles. You know how many times he's left the Northeast since taking over as starting quarterback for the Eagles? Zero. On the road against the New York Giants. Put up good numbers. Came home for the Raiders. Awful. Looked crummy for less than a half against the Cowboys and then two home playoff games. He's got to now leave the Northeast and the friendly confines of the cheesesteak-eating Eagles fans and go to a dome in Minnesota and face Tom Brady. But Jason, the Minnesota defense was good. Stop it. Just stop. Do you remember what I said on this show? Five teams in the last decade have won a playoff game on a walk-off touchdown. Guess what happened to all of them the very next week? They got blown out. The five teams that had won on a walk-off in the playoffs lost the next game by 23 points. Number six was the Vikings. That was predictable. I gave out the Eagles to you guys. Guys, pay attention. I'm going to close this with one stat. That's it. The Patriots this year are 7-0 and when favored by less than seven points. That's it. That seven or no would favor by less than seven. Folks, don't fall for the Eagles trap. They're they are a great story. They are a Conor McGregor level underdog. Just remember, when the in the third quarter, when the Patriots start to pull away, look at them. Look at them throwing punches, just taking apart the Eagles. Hey, this reminds me of Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor. I am so excited for this game. Uh, we're gonna do prop bets later in the show. Uh, I know we have a large NBA audience, and there's some crazy NBA stories going on. Thunder lost again last night. Got to wonder, is Paul George going to be on the trading block here over the next five days? I don't know. Three losses in a row for the Thunder. A lot of NBA to get to. We may talk about LeBron James. I don't know. Uh, anything happened with LeBron this week, Rob? I, I I haven't been paying attention really that closely to LeBron, so I don't know if he's going to make the show. But plenty of Super Bowl talk Today we're going to do pre-snap reads Get excited people Coming up next Oh look at that We're going to talk LeBron He's one of the greatest players of all time He could learn a thing or two from Paul George I'll explain Iowa Sam uh, I, I swear I should know who this is Give me a hint She will be performing the
2: national anthem at the, For this Super Bowl Pink? Yes sir
5: Wow, it doesn't sound like.
2: Plus, that. it's kind of like a like you could see some football yeah. players getting hyped up to this
5: song "Edge of Glory." I was going to put in a request for a air quotes new song that my kids really are into. Imagine Dragons' "Thunder," you know, you're not feeling that, or is it no, six no, no. months
2: old? No, no. Imagine Dragons, honestly, they have a couple tunes that I think they're very catchy. Is "Thunder" one of them? or is it we'll too that too play We'll get that next
5: break. See Sam Sam is one of these guys uh he's rocking a french mustache today in a beret. <laughs> he is Not uh, a beret. <laughs> but yeah, french Gemma mustache. Sam. Little french tickler right here. Yeah. <laughs> a little caterpillar. Yeah. Uh would you see the uh Itania movie? Did I see it? Yeah. I did see Itania. Yeah. Je- doesn't Jeff Galuli rock the mustache like that?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, the well, the the, the real Je- yeah. Like Stanley Stan says his name in real life. I don't know. But, yeah, I did. Oh, oh he's gross. Sebastian Stan. Sebastian Stan, yeah. but He's yeah. married
5: to uh, it's a very attractive
2: he's, guy. He's uh, Galuli or whatever. He's yes. just, what a creep.
5: Is he? Uh, uh, Galuli. Awful Worst. human being. Um, anyway, so there's movie talk for the day. Hey, uh, before I get to LeBron, did you guys see what LeVar Ball's doing? I, we don't have time to get him into the show, but did you see his new thing? I don't know if you guys saw this. So, you know he's starting that basketball league. He is sliding into the DMs of high school basketball recruits saying, hey, man, good stuff out there. Do you want to join our league? Do you want to give up your free ride to college and join our basketball league? What the hell kind of plan is that, LeVar Ball? That's your game plan to start a league sliding into DMs? Rob, I'm serious. This is happening. I know. He also spelled one of the recruits' names wrong in the message. Like, that's how much... This is what's so embarrassing. By the way, shucks. I don't want to get started on LeVar Ball. Nobody likes the guy. You can start to see a downtick in interest in anything related to him. Uh, When he called Steve Kerr Millie Vanilli, like, dude, you just lost all respect. Like, get a clue. But uh, just as a business idea, sliding into the DMs of high school kids, asking them to give up... Their basketball scholarship, which is valued at over $100,000, is not a great business idea. Just FYI. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. Uh, LeBron. LeBron. Big week. Let's just start with a fact ironclad. Take it to the bank. LeBron's not going to the Warriors. We That should not be news, okay? I don't know how that story was news. It was silly. But I do have a piece of advice for LeBron. Yes, a weekend radio host is giving advice to the second greatest player in NBA basketball history. Yay. Remember last June, Paul George went to the Indiana Pacers and said, Hey, guys, I'm not going to sign here long term. I'd love to be a Laker uh, when I hit free agency, and I'm not going to sign here long term. People killed Paul George for his honesty. But that's what he wanted. The heart wants what the heart wants. You can't blame Paul George. That's what he wanted. If you subscribe to the theory that we're all here for a specific purpose in life, we're all meant to live a life that's very certain, Maybe Paul George thinks that's what his life holds. And that's what he wants. And he's he was honest with the Pacers. He didn't hold them hostage. He gave them ample time. Said, you know what? I want to sign elsewhere. So they traded him. And at the time, we all killed the trade. I killed the trade. Don't, don't come out there and say you thought it was a great trade, Paul George, for Oladipo and Sabonis and no, no draft picks. Like, come on. Looking good, though. Oladipo's an all-star. Oladipo's having a ridiculously good year. They're in the playoffs right now. Paul George was honest, and it helped the Pacers. Now look at LeBron's situation. Everyone is frustrated. Players, coaches. LeBron's play has slipped. I opened this show last week telling you, LeBron James, in January, had his worst month since his rookie year when it comes to scoring. Shot 21% on threes. Everybody is shaken, mentally, mentally by LeBron's free agent decision. There is a cloud hanging over the Warriors. What's LeBron going to do? And that ain't going anywhere until the season is over. And now they've lost Kevin Love for maybe six to eight weeks. The Cavs, I kid you not, are looking at maybe not having home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. That's how bad things are right now. There's no sugarcoating this. And then you want to float these ridiculous LeBron Warriors, LeBron Rockets. All this nonsense. All that does is eat away at the chemistry, the locker room. It's ugly. Paul George did the right thing. He went to Indiana and was up front with them. So you ready? You've been waiting for it. What does LeBron do? I'm ready to give him his advice. LeBron James needs to walk into Dan Gilbert's office this weekend don't you can skip but bypass the GM if you want and LeBron needs to say what can we do to get Paul George the Thunder have lost three in a row the Thunder are struggling they lost Andre Roberson I know you're gonna laugh and say Roberson stinks best defensive player on that team by a mile they are they lost to the Pelicans last night They have no defense without Roberson. There is no quick fix for that team. Paul George now has to be their lockdown defender and, oh yeah, jack up shots all the time because they need scoring. It doesn't look good for the Thunder. LeBron needs to walk into Dan Gilbert's office and be straight up with him. Can you get us Paul George? And Dan Gilbert's going to say, what are you going to do? Are you going to resign? And here's what LeBron's answer is going to be. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm either going to opt in and stay next year If we get better, if we get to the finals, or I'm going to opt out and test free agency. LeBron, just be honest. Now, he cannot say he's definitely leaving, even though we all think he is, because I'm telling you, what if they get Paul George? What if Kevin Durant goes down? What if Kyrie Irving goes down? Anything can happen. Anything. Literally, the Cavs can still win the championship, folks. I know if everybody's healthy, they won't. Who knows who's going to be healthy? In the last, what, eight days, we saw Blake Griffin get traded. John Wall go down with an injury for six weeks. Kevin Love's down. DeMarcus Cousins is out for the year. Malcolm Brogdon, a key cog on the Bucks, he's out for six weeks. Listen, players get hurt. Players get traded. Who knows? Maybe, so that's what LeBron has to say. Dan Gilbert, here, here's what I... And guess what, Dan? I'm going to go tell the media this because they keep asking me. I'm going to say straight up, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm either gonna opt in, or I'm gonna opt out. We'll see how the season goes. That's reality, LeBron. Just say that. Don't go hiding behind all this junk. Don't do these cryptic Instagram posts where instead of hanging with your team, you're hanging out with Udonis Haslam and Dwayne Wade as if it's some sign that you want to go back to Miami and recruit. You know, reunite your uh, your days in the heat down in South Beach. Just stop. Stop with the with the planting stories, and maybe you didn't do it, but you know what your camp's doing. Your camp is trying to win the battle with Dan Gilbert by planting rocket stories. Your camp is trying to plant stories about the Warriors so Dan Gilbert can get off his butt and do something. So, LeBron, just be honest. That's all I ask of you. You're human. Be honest. All right too early to get upset. LeBron, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of LeBron. I know people are killing me for saying on the herd yesterday, he wouldn't start on the Warriors. I'm not going down that road. Coming up next, a former NFL quarterback is trying to take my job. He'll He's here to tell you why next. But first, let's go to Isaac Lowenkron for the latest report.
7: Good morning, Jason. The Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2018 selection meeting is going on as we speak in Minneapolis. The selection committee has already voted on the two senior finalists, Houston Oilers linebacker Robert Brazil and Packers offensive lineman Jerry Kramer, as well as contributor finalist Bobby Bethard. They're now discussing the 15 modern-era finalists. Former Eagles safety Brian Dawkins was the first finalist to be discussed, followed by former Patriots quarterback Ty Law. Other finalists include Ray Lewis, Brian urlacker randy moss and terrell owens the class will be unveiled later today hey great news there's a quick way you could save money switch to geico go to geico.com but in 15 minutes you could save 15 percent or more on car insurance in the nba last night the bucks and knicks were all tied up in the final seconds
0: Giannis down the lane spinning on Cantor. layup goes 1.9 left Giannis makes it 92 to 90.
7: That would be the final. Ted Davis, the call on WTMJ. Also, last night, Utah Jazz rookie Donovan Mitchell poured in 40 points and knocked down seven three pointers at a 32 point win over the Phoenix Suns. And DeMar DeRozan scored 35 in Toronto's 25 point win over the Portland Trailblazers. Jason, back to you. Back here on the big
5: lead, Fox Sports Radio. I'm your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios out here in uh, sunny-ish L.A. It's early in the morning, but it's still quite sunny. Uh, joining the show now, former NFL quarterback, spent some time in Tampa Bay, spent some time with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers at the end of his career. We're going to get to that in a moment. Bruce Gradkowski. Bruce, good morning. How are you? Jason,
4: good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having
5: me. Yeah, good, good to good to have you join the show. Can we start with your Steelers experience? It was the last season you spent uh, in the NFL. Uh, a lot has been made of the Steelers this year. You know, uh, <laughs> listen, a- another postseason gag by Mike Tomlin. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Uh, the big questions about culture in-, in the Steelers locker room. What did you see in your time there? It's a bit maybe too loose for a lot of uh, NFL fan standards.
4: Well, you're right. Talking about culture, that organization is, is probably the best organization i played for because every day coming to work, you actually enjoyed it, and it was an atmosphere. Guys came, had fun, and honestly, Mike Tomlin got the best out of guys. You know, to to handle all the different personalities and egos in that locker room, I feel like he did a great job. Now, I also see the lack of details when you have a relaxing environment like that you're going to lack a little bit on the detail side. You know, you have guys like Coach Bill Belichick. I mean, it's unbelievable what he's been doing, but the details in that locker room and in the classroom, their meetings are on point. Now, if you go to the Steelers, it's going to be a nice, relaxed environment. Guys are going to play more free. You're going to get the best out of each individual. But on the other side, you could be lacking a little detail.
5: Yeah, in your experience Bruce, which did you think was better? Uh, you know, the really tight ship where they're cracking heads in the in the film room, no joking around, kind of militant atmosphere or or the loose stuff?
4: Well, you know, I I was drafted by John Gruden in 2006, and I was fortunate to start 11 games as a rookie, and but I felt like I was playing on eggshells, you know, <laughs> and but I learned so much from him. You know, I learned so much from them, but honestly, I had Mike Allstar, Joey Galloway in the huddle with me, so I would I'd be up till two in the morning trying to memorize these plays because I didn't want to get in the huddle the next day and not be able to call the play Indy right ten X short fake ninety six power king naked left X slide.
5: Whoa, 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 but Bruce, <laughs> run that back again. Let me just hear it because that's a mouth. <laughs> I,
4: I was going to say, can you repeat that, Jason? <laughs>
5: I love that uh that play call. Like that's a lot. That's a lot to say in the huddle and memorize every angle of it. And and how did you felt you you did under under uh, Gruden as a rookie?
4: You know, I felt like we had good times. I think I exploded on the scene coming out of Toledo. Uh we had some good moments, but then the game, you know, I started overthinking things. And then the next year I backed up Jeff Garcia. Um then played for the Browns for a little bit, the Raiders, the Bengals, and then Pittsburgh I finished in my hometown. But, you know, the game, it's all about perseverance and handling the ups and downs. And, you know, I still talk to Gruden to this day, and, you know, I'm glad to see he got back in the coaching. You know, I think he's a great teacher, a great football mind. He knows what he's doing. And I'm anxious to see how that relationship with Carr works and how long Gruden could get these Raiders going. I know initially he's going to add a spark, and they're going to have a good season, but
5: how long can that last? That's a great question. I'm talking to Bruce gradkowski, former n f l quarterback Bruce uh you mentioned you spent some time in Cleveland. I've never been there in my life. Is Cleveland as depressing as it appears uh to someone who's <laughs> never been there? Yeah, be honest
4: absolutely <laughs> <laughs> the 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 only good The only good thing right now to Cleveland is my man Andrew Hawkins. And Joe Thomas's podcast, the Tomahawk Show. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Look at
4: you, no, plugging
5: buddies. I like that. You're all you're you're a radio veteran, Bruce. That's good stuff.
4: Well, I heard you. I heard you say too. I'm I'm not trying to take your job, Jason. I'm just just trying to partner up with you. Yeah, you know?
5: <laughs> Bru- Bruce is uh, part of a new initiative called the Broadcast Bowl for NFL player engagement uh, Four broadcast boot camp grads to be on Radio Row all week. All expenses paid. Dang, Bruce, nobody paid my expenses when I went there. How did you like Radio Row? How would you like the experience?
4: Well, Jason, I got an extra bed in the room. Oh, geez, that's so nice of you, Bruce. (laughs) You you, you could come bunk. My my buddy Lance Moore just left, so I I have some space. But, uh, no, NFL, you know, the NFL Row, um, Radio Row this week, uh, we were with NFL Experience. I went to the broadcast boot camp um, last March, and it was a great experience taking advantage of the things the NFL offers to former and current players. You know, and that's the NFL broadcast boot camp. They had a they have a business school you could a program you can go to for a week. They handle finance that I took advantage of. I went to Harvard for a week. Um, the NFL can send you back to school, you know, full-time if someone didn't graduate. So there's plenty of things that the NFL is trying to do to um, – help the transition. You know, i played football since I was eight years old, and I played 11 years in the NFL. Now I'm 35 years old, and you're going into that transition stage. And I'm fortunate to be able to go to the NFL broadcast boot camp. I was the color analyst for the Toledo Rockets radio this year, and then I'm actually going to do the color for the game on Sunday for Great Britain radio.
5: Wow. Now, I'm a little surprised, Bruce. I thought you may want to go into coaching since your buddy Gruden's uh, got a job. Maybe he has a position on the staff for you, but you're choosing media. Very, very, uh, I don't know, Bruce. Coaching versus media, that's a tough one.
4: Well, Jason, and I thought about it. You know, I have three little ones at home, Mm -hmm. though. They're four, two, and seven months. And I have a passion to coach. I feel like that's what I know. I talked to a few coaches uh, throughout this transition period the last few months, even a year ago and I was just kind of waiting for the right opportunity. But also I started thinking more, too, that maybe my time's worthwhile to be home with the kids for now, help, help, you know, raise them the right way and, and be around. My wife does a great job. But, you know, those are the things that go through my head. You know, I'd love to coach and be around and coach at the NFL level, but that time commitment that these coaches put in is like no other.
5: All right, Bruce Gradkowski, let me get you out of here with this one. Super Bowl featuring a backup quarterback. As a guy who was a backup quarterback for many years in the NFL, I got to ask you, does Nick Foles at this point still view himself as a backup? Or is he, you know, since he's been starting for, what, a month now, he's got a couple starts under his belt under Chip Kelly, is he no longer a backup? What's his mindset heading into the game?
4: Well, you know what's funny is, is none of us view ourselves Like as a backup, you know, even when I was playing and I was backing up, and even in younger in my career, probably when I bounced around some teams, people probably thought I stunk and I had no chance. Meanwhile, I'm thinking, oh man, if this guy just gets hurt, I'm going to go win the Super Bowl for us. (laughs) You know, so Nick Foles is in a position that we all would love to be in. You know, you travel around from team to team, you finally get another opportunity on the biggest stage in the game. So for Nick Foles, no. He he's like I've been here before. You know, I've started games. I can do this. I can win football games. He had a couple great years in the NFL and now it's just the experience level. You know, Tom Brady Tom Brady hasn't been to the Super Bowl just once or twice. Yeah. My man's uh he, he he's used to it. Him and Belichick are back pretty much every year, but um I think this is a great opportunity for Foles. I talked to him the other day and You can tell, being a backup quarterback, you're like an old book on the shelf. You're sitting there all all year. All of a sudden, they pull you out, dust you off, throw you in, and expect you to play like the starter. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate. So Foles was thrown into a tough situation as far as that, but I can tell now he's coming into a little rhythm with Doug Peterson. And also, Doug Peterson now is getting comfortable with The play calling. What does Foles like to run compared to Wentz? How can I get him started fast? As you see, he's doing a lot of RPOs, run, pass, option reads, where he has the option to either hand the football or throw the football based on what a linebacker does after the snap. And those are the type of things Foles is comfortable doing and also shooting screens out to the wide receivers. Or we saw a flea flicker against the Vikings and pushing the ball downfield. So this week... I feel like the Eagles have to play to win. The Jaguars were playing the the, the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, and they were playing not to lose when they had to lead. You have to attack this team, take shots downfield. That's the only way the Eagles have a chance.
5: Wow, good stuff, Bruce Gradkowski. Thank you, Bruce, and uh, congrats. Hope you had fun on the uh, broadcast bowl initiative, and uh, Radio Row was kind to you. Thanks for taking the time, Bruce. Yeah, thanks, Jason. All right. That was Bruce Gradkowski. Uh, Good stuff from him on Nick Foles, huh? Nick Foles (laughs) doesn't see himself as a backup. It's like on my rec league basketball team. You know, sometimes I come off the bench. I don't view myself as a a sixth man. I'm a starter. Coming up next here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. The Washington Redskins. One of the most garbage franchises in all of sports. They just got heisted in the NFL. I'll explain next. Thunder. Thunder. Look at Sam coming through.
2: I have to uh, fess up here, Jason. I thought I was playing pink last break. It was actually Lady Gaga. I, went, I
5: knew it. And could... Twitter
2: Twitter, let me know, and and thank you all all those out there. Oh, boy. Uh, clearly, I don't know my, my Gaga from my like pink. pink. I know. I know.
5: Wow. Uh, what a brick, Sam. A sucker. I know. Music, I, man. Oh, I hooked up a brick. That is devastating. Yeah can you do? What was the one bad music thing I messed up last year? Remember it was like an it was like a layup. There was a song and everybody's like, "How do you not know this, Jay?" I mean, come on. M- music is a blind spot for me. Movies, TV, I'll kill anybody. I'll dominate like I do at Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune. Uh, geography is a strong suit of mine. Music just isn't. Do you see all those Jeopardy uh, contestants? I did. That, uh, was, that was a little
2: pathetic. Did it felt staged? Just a little bit. No, they were just flat out. They had no knowledge whatsoever.
5: That's basic stuff. What is the
2: option? What is the offsetting penalty? Like, those are pretty basic.
5: All right, Sam. Well, thank you for uh, Thunder. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Great news. There's a quick way you could save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. All right, so I actually love this Alex Smith Trade to the Redskins. Now I I don't like it for the Redskins, but I love the big picture, right? Even if you don't care about Alex Smith or Kirk Cousins in the least, I think you're gonna love this, okay? So the Redskins are selling the trade as oh, Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins. Look at similar stats. That's what you're seeing everywhere. That's being put out by the Redskins side. They're getting killed for this deal. Slaughtered. Well, look at Alex Smith's numbers. Similar. And guess what? Oh, he's been to the playoffs. Three years in a row. And it's like, are you see, uh, only idiots are going to fall for this? Only totally dense people who just can't see through the fog are going to not notice this. Okay. Alex Smith had the rushing leader in Kareem Hunt, the NFL tight end receptions leader in Mr. Kelsey. And he had a great quarterback, uh, coach, I'm sorry, in Andy Reid. The Redskins have uh, running back by committee concussion-prone Jordan Reed, who misses half the games every year or more. And and, and uh, Jay Gruden. I like Jay Gruden, but he's no Andy Reed. Okay? Kirk Cousins was throwing touchdowns to guys off the practice squad. So don't compare Cousins to Alex Smith. But here's why I love this, uh, this whole smokescreen from the Redskins, okay? They were justifying the Alex Smith addition to keep their jobs. Okay. You couldn't go into this draft if you're the Reds can say, we're going to ride with Colt McCoy and the 13th pick. We're going to go Baker Mayfield or whatever. You're going to be out of a job. They would have all lost their jobs. Ah, but trading for Alex Smith. Okay. Well, we know what he can do. He can get you to the playoffs, he can put up some solid numbers. We know what Alex Smith is. We don't want to roll the dice. And have the mystery man in the draft. But, ah, that's the big disconnect. In life, we like mystery. What's behind door number five? We love that. We love the unknown. We love a lottery ticket. Americans love the lottery. I think I've heard it called uh, the stupid tax. Have you guys heard this? The lottery is called the stupid tax. Well, Well, fans, sometimes they want to go with the unknown over the known quantity in Alex Smith. You like that? Listen, guys, let's be, keep it 100 with me. Alex Smith ain't winning you no Super Bowl, okay? He's lost in the first round of the playoffs, back-to-back years, at home. First game of the playoffs for the Chiefs. At home, each time, as favorites against the Steelers and then Titans. Alex Smith ain't winning you a Super Bowl, but he's getting you to keep your job, because he's going to get you eight, nine wins. Just good enough to get by and keep that job. Fans, they want the mystery. They want the unknown. My life, I chose the unknown. I could have kept just doing the website out uh, on the East Coast and the Northeast. I could have just done it. Uh, you, listening to this show, can keep your 9-to-5 job. Pays nice, puts a roof over your head, food on the table. Or do you want to pack up the family, move to L.A., uproot everything you know and take a chance, swing for the fences? What do you want? I see you pondering it, Sam. I know Rob's thinking about it. It's tough. Keep the 9-to-5 job. Solid income. Got the insurance. Everything's good. Or do you want to take that chance? Do you want to move across the country for your dream job? Could work out and be really awesome. Like if the Redskins, I don't know, drafted Sam Darnold or something. Or it could fail spectacularly spectacularly within the first eighteen months, and you're out of a job. The Redskins took the safe route. I mean, as much as you can call seventy-one million dollars to Alex Smith safe by trading for Alex Smith. But these dopes in the Redskins front office, my gosh, they also said, "Oh yeah, sure." Uh, uh, in addition to the third-round pick, we'll throw in a starting cornerback in Kendall Fuller. He's really promising. Um. But what the Chiefs fans love about this, the Chiefs fans want to roll the dice. They want the unknown. Guys, listen. Patrick Mahomes played in the Big 12. Here's a fact. No quarterback out of the Big 12 has done anything in the NFL over the last decade. Look them all up. Where's RG3? Out of the league. And Ryan Tannehill does not count, okay? And yes, Texas A&M used to be in the Big 12. But bottom line is, Chiefs fans wanted to roll the dice. Redskins fans wanted to roll the dice. Andy Reid wanted to roll the dice. Let me wrap it up by saying this. I don't love the idea of Mahomes coming out of the Big 12, but his skill position players, Tyreek Hill's 24, Travis Kelsey's 28, Kareem Hunt's 23. And they're saving $15 million on Alex Smith. Roll that into some free agents. Folks, it's looking good for the Chiefs. Redskins fans, wish you would roll the dice. Coming up next. Former Eagles quarterback to talk Super Bowl. Ah, welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Super Bowl weekend is here. Patriots and... Eagles kick off maybe 29 hours from now. Sundays always take forever on Super Bowl Sunday, right? It's like you wake up, you look to kill a few hours, maybe out here in L.A. I'll go to the beach with the kids. Maybe You know, I started flying my drone recently. That is a lot of fun. I got to say, that is a ton of fun. I actually got told by the lifeguard last weekend, yeah, you can't do that on the beach. He couldn't find me while I was operating it, but then it landed, and he obviously came over and nicely told me. What was funny was I was on the beach, and I look over, and there's this very attractive girl to- with her parents on the beach. And it just so happened that she was a U.S. former U.S. soccer player, the beautiful Alex Morgan. And I tried to get my kids to take a picture with her. I'm like, guys, she scored tons of important goals. And they were like, I, I don't know, Dad. I- that was your chance. All right? We're not going to see Alex Morgan anywhere else. Uh, But, you know, this weekend I'm going to be in full-on Super Bowl mode. You know what I – I started the show saying I feel like the Eagles are that plucky underdog everybody really is rooting for, kind of like Conor McGregor over the summer against Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather, of course, would be the Patriots in this case. And to help us further break down the game, who better to talk to than one of the, if not the best quarterback in Philadelphia Eagles history? Mr. Ron Jaworski joins the show. Ron, good morning. How are you?
1: Jason, doing fantastic. Great to be with you this morning. A snowy day in Minneapolis, but uh, oh, we're only hours away from kickoff. Albeit 29, we're hours away,
5: not yes, days. It, hours away. Now, Ron Jaworski, of course, knows Super Bowls and Philadelphia. He's essentially Mr. Philadelphia. Now, Ron, I'm going to say you took the Eagles to the Super Bowl. And essentially, I joke that you get to eat cheesesteaks for free anywhere you go for life. But with Nick Foles, it's kind of a different situation, okay? He's the backup. We know that Carson Wentz will return next season and be the starter. I'm just curious can you think of a weirder situation for Foles to be in? Because when he got the job, when Wentz went down, nobody thought they could get to the Super Bowl with
1: him. There isn't a person in the world. That would have scripted this story. I don't care what type of vision you have, what type of imagination you have, you could not have got this one right. You know, Carson Wentz was having an MVP season. He would have been the league MVP. All of a sudden, he goes down with a knee injury. Nick Foles comes in. He struggles a little bit early because he's rusty. Remember, he did not throw a ball in training camp or play it down in the preseason. He had an injured elbow Uh, In the regular season, because the present collective bargaining agreement, backup players get very little work. And, oh, by the way, it's hard to get better when you practice less. I still get to figure out that CBA part of the the discussion. And all of a sudden, lo and behold, you get to the playoffs, and he has played like an absolute superstar. Mm -hmm. He has been phenomenal in the last two games, pinpoint accuracy, anticipation, leadership, pocket mobility, on balance, all those attributes you look for from a great quarterback, Nick Foles has displayed that over the last two playoff games.
5: However, and there's always a however, right, Ron Jaworski? Uh, no question. You know, listen, those two games in the playoffs were at home. And, and, and frankly, against the Falcons, it felt like more of a check-down performance. Uh, no big explosive plays as opposed to the Vikings game. Uh, how much of the home, again, he all the games Nick Foles started at the end of the regular season, And in the playoffs, we're in the Northeast. Friendly confines at home, and he went to the Giants once. Uh, But I don't—are we going to expect to see the same Nick Foles in Minnesota after a two-week layoff when everybody's telling him he's been so great?
1: No, I I, I don't think so. I don't think he can replicate the performance he had against the Minnesota Vikings. By the way, who came into that game as the number one defense in the NFL, and Nick was razor-sharp in that game. But also, this is a Bill Belichick defense. You know, it, it's hard to shred a Bill Belichick defense. I think the Eagles will have success between the 20s with a balanced offense, running the football, throwing the short. But rest assured, they will take their shots. Doug Peterson has a very aggressive mindset. And by the way, if you look at the last two playoff games, I believe you know their first series of the game, they took shots. They were throwing the about 50 and 60 yards down the field. They are going to force your secondary to back up. They're not going to allow Chung to get real nosy down that line of scrimmage and you know, play that linebacker-slash-strong safety position that he likes to play. They're going to make him defend the pass every now and then, kind of cool his heels a little. But it's hard to put a performance together like Nick had a couple weeks ago against the Vikings. It won't be as easy against his
5: Patriots defense. We're talking with Ron Jaworski, Philadelphia Eagles legend. All right, Ron, i got be—I got to be honest with you here. I know the Eagles defense has played well this season. But, uh, you know, if you look deeper into the numbers, they gave up a lot of points uh, to the Chiefs. They gave up some points to the Redskins. They, I mean, they've given up 24-plus points multiple times this year. And, uh, you know, the Patriots have a better offense than any of those guys. Gronk is back. Do you see the Philadelphia secondary? I know they had a pick-six against Case Keenum. Slowing down the Patriots at all in this game.
1: Yeah, I, I, I believe they'll slow them down. You're not going to stop Tom Brady. I mean, Gronk is now back. Gronk is obviously the guy... Uh, that that you have to focus on. The Patriots and Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, do a tremendous job of moving him around. You know, I call him the where's Waldo of their offense. You must identify where he is and slant your coverage to him. So he certainly, you know, is going to be a major problem for the Eagles. And I went back and looked at Travis Kelsey, you just mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs in that game, and Kelsey created some problems for the Eagles. You know, so you have to double him, and you've got to put pressure on Tom Brady. I've said it all week, Jason. The key to me is going to be that area five to six yards behind the center, behind Andrews. Where is Tom Brady going to set up? Right there. Tom is not a guy that they're going to sprint out and do bootlegs. So that piece of real estate, five to six yards behind Tom Brady, will be critical. If they can protect Tom Brady and allow him to stand back there and stay on balance and be comfortable, and if he does move, step up in the pocket, Tom will shred the defense. If the Eagles' defensive line, which has been very effective, yeah. I, I would say all season long, it's a strength of their football team. The secondary is susceptible to double moves, but if Tom Brady gets moved off that spot by Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and Tim Jernigan, Benny Curry, if he moves, then I think the Eagles have a fighting chance. And what I've noticed the last couple of weeks, the Eagles have gone to. Not more blitzes, but they've changed up their blitz scheme and created what we call those jam fronts, where they'll bring Nigel Bradham down on the center and force everyone to block man-to-man. Now, yes, you can keep a tight end in, you can keep a back in, but the Eagles have forced man-to-man blocking schemes by their opponent's offensive line, and they've turned this defensive line loose with that Jim Schwartz wide nine. So that has been effective.
5: Let me let you get out of here with this one. Ron Jaworski, Philadelphia Eagles, great It's a bit of a hypothetical. You may not love it. If Nick Foles somehow manages to win this Super Bowl, what happens? Because I I know Carson Wentz is a franchise. You've traded up for him. But you can't win the Super Bowl and just go back to the bench, can you? Remember, Jeff Hostetler Hostetler filled in for Sims. Now, Sims was 35, I believe. Hostetler won the Super Bowl, started the next season. I don't think you can have Wentz on the bench, but can you have Nick Foles on the bench? Do you trade him? Uh, What's your thoughts Going in, uh, I know it's a, a bit of a hypothetical, but humor me, Ron.
1: No, well, well, Jason, wonderful problem to have. I might add. Hey, let let us make no mistake about this. Carson Wentz is the quarterback yeah. of the Philadelphia Eagles for the next ten years. Nick Foles, and by the way, this statement I'm going to make right now always ticks off a lot of people around the NFL in the coaching business. The quarterback position is the worst coach position in the National <laughs> Football League. I'm telling you, Jason, I study these guys every single week. And some of the garbage I see on the field okay drives me nuts. Now people say what happened to Nick Bowles? Well he went into the abyss in St. Louis, you know, where he wasn't coached properly in the right system, brought wrong people around him. He comes to a system where you got Doug Peterson who played the quarterback position in the NFL. Frank Reich is the offensive coordinator, played the position in the NFL. They understand how to manage and coach that position. John D. Filippo, the quarterback coach, was a college quarterback, understands the position. Someday will be a great head coach. So these coaches, if they put their players in a position and set them up for success, they can be successful. Too many of these coaches do not coach their, coach, their quarterbacks properly, and you end up with a Nick Foles that you had in St. Louis, not the Nick Foles you had in Philadelphia.
5: Okay, so wait. So, Ron, what, do you trade him? Do you have him be as the backup? Do you start him? I mean, you've got three choices here. No, What's the... I, I, no I, I think I made
1: it clear. Carson Wentz is the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Nick's got one year left in his contract. Maybe someone that needs a quarterback is going to say, hey, we can give up a, a, a you know second rounder, a third rounder, and acquire Nick Foles. But uh, it may be very bizarre if a Super Bowl quarterback MVP could be traded months later. weird. That would
5: be <laughs> shocking. All right, thank you, Ron Jaworski, the great former quarterback of the Eagles. He's on ESPN. You can see him on television, radio. Have a great weekend, Ron. Enjoy the game. Thanks, Jason. Uh, yeah, Listen, that is a fascinating scenario, one that I barely entertained. Okay, it's tough for me to fathom the Eagles winning this. But if Nick Foles wins that game, he is a hero in Philadelphia the way Carson Wentz is not. Wentz could eventually get there and win a Super Bowl. But Foles, I mean, you win a Super Bowl. There's only a certain amount of quarterbacks in NFL history who have done this. I mean, Flacco wins a Super Bowl, has a you know pretty bad run. He still won a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer, for all the knock on him. Every time I see Ray Lewis, you know, Hey, man, Trent Tilford wasn't Jason. He he was the quarterback, and we won a Super Bowl. That's the reality. You win a Super Bowl, you're a made man in the NFL. I don't know how Nick Foles can win a Super Bowl and just go to the bench. I, I'm not saying he's better than Carson Wentz. I'm not saying he should start over Carson Wentz. But to me, you know, this is not a guy who's 35. I think he's 28, 29 years old. Nick Foles, somebody's got to trade for him, right? Fascinating situation shaping up if the Eagles are able to pull off a miracle. Coming up next year on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. There's plenty of NBA to get to, but I want to talk just a little bit about somebody who loves underdogs, somebody who loves undersized players, somebody who loves a good football IQ. I don't think you have any clue who I'm talking about. That's next on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. I think this was my anthem junior year in college. You know very well... Who you are. Good song, Nick. Nick rocking his Lakers hat after a big win over D'Angelo last night.
3: <laughs> Much oh. to Rob Chagrin over here. Bro,
5: Josh Hart looked good, man. I like his game. You know, I- I've come around on him. He looks like the perfect bench guy next year when LeBron and Paul George are here. <laughs> All right. He's the number one guard off the bench. Hart hustle threes. Love me some, Josh Hart. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Veteran owned, veteran roasted. Visit blackriflecoffee.com and use the code FOXSPORTS20 for 20% off your first order. Look at that. New advertisers flooding the most popular weekend radio show in the country. All right. So now what I'm about to say. um, You might laugh. You may cry. But I do believe Bill Belichick would love me. Be a huge fan of me. And I know I've been taking shots at Belichick all season. Okay? We talked about the spiritual guru. I probably spent three shows opening it with Patriots drama. I crushed him for the Garoppolo deal. Okay? And and, and by the way, that crushing is going to linger for years if Garoppolo keeps this up. He's killing it in San Fran. But I want to take a moment to point out something about the Patriots that can be directly attributed to Mr. Bill Belichick because he picks the roster, right? This guy's a tireless worker, relentless. When it comes to the draft, putting together a game plan, there is no peer in the NFL for Bill Belichick, okay? And I'm a sucker for a good work ethic, okay? I'm out here in L.A. I know you probably think I've got the glamorous life hosting a weekend radio show. You know, I'm on FS1, blah, blah, blah. Truth of the matter is, I got three jobs. Working around the clock. I was no first-round draft pick. My parents were not in the media. They, My parents weren't even born in this country. I didn't go to some big journalism school. I'm an undersized, underdrafted, overlooked kid. who, Hungry for sports. Hungry to learn. I like to challenge myself. Man, I, I just friggin' love sports and having opinions and having smart, nuanced discussions and I'm trying to look at stories different than everybody else and that's why I think Bill Belichick would love me I read a tremendous story about Belichick that I have to tell you to read it's by Pete Thamel Yahoo Sports you've got to read this okay as soon as I started reading it I was like holy cow I jotted down a note that wasn't in his piece okay The round that these players on the Patriots were drafted, all their skill position players, I'm going to go through them really quick. Tom Brady, sixth round. Dion Lewis, fifth round. James White, fourth round. Rob Gronkowski, second round. Danny Amendola, undrafted. Chris Hogan, undrafted. Julian Edelman, seventh round. The lone skill position player on the Patriots, who's a first round pick, is Brandon Cooks, whom they traded for. The lesson here and the lesson from the story is Belichick doesn't go into the draft saying, I want that superstar, okay? Guys who have been told since high school, all through college, you're the man, you're the best, oh, you're going to get paid, you're going to be a rich millionaire, and I don't want to paint with a broad brush here, okay? But those people who have been told they're the best, they're the best, oh, they're incredible, that stuff tends to go to their head. And again, I'm not I'm not painting with a broad brush. But by and large, if you've been chosen on all those rankings lists and rivals and 247 sports and all that stuff, if you've been top 10, top 10, sometimes it gets to your head. Your work ethic may not be there. Belichick don't want that guy. Bill Belichick is looking for the undersized guy who's been overlooked by everybody else, has a great IQ, great intangibles, team player, has that hard-nosed ethos, maybe even a chip on their shoulder, who is hungry to win. That's what Belichick wants. And you got to read this story. Again, Yahoo Sports, Pete Dammel, it's incredible. Nobody, absolutely nobody in sports does a better job of that in the draft than Bill Belichick. And, and, and I'm going to keep... Uh, there's, I'm, I'm not acting like Bill Belichick's infallible. Of course he misses in the draft. No doubt about it. Everybody misses in the draft. It's not rocket science. This ain't the NBA draft, which is, is a addressed. lot easier. But look back at last year's Super Bowl. Who was the Patriots' best offensive player? Fourth-round pick, James White. 14 catches. Pa- Patriots just went to him relentlessly in the second half in overtime. Who was the Patriots' best defensive player in their Super Bowl win over the Falcons? Trey Flowers, fourth-round pick, 2015.
4: Never heard of
5: him. There you go, Nick. You never heard of him. Overlooked. We went to Arkansas, good player. Two-and-a-half sacks, two-and-a-half tackle for loss. In the Super Bowl, a fourth-round pick delivery. So I just rattled off when the skill position players were drafted for the Patriots. But you look at a team like the Falcons, Matt Ryan, top-five pick, Julio Jones, top 10 pick. I think Devonta Freeman's, you know, second round somewhere. But let's look at the Eagles. Carson Wentz. I know he's not playing, but he got them here, MVP all season. Top five pick, Nelson Aguilar, first round pick. Zach Ertz, Torrey Smith, Alshon Jeffrey, all second round picks. And, yes, I know a couple of them were acquired in free agency. But the point is Belichick does a better job of Anybody unearthing guys who he wants to fit in his system. And and I got to respect that. As much as you hate the cheating Patriots and Belichick's played out gruff demeanor, brushing off the media and I don't do snap face. Ha, ha, ha. I mean, that stuff is played out. What's not played out is his work ethic and not going for the superstar in the first round but valuing the Julian Edelman in the seventh round and turning him into a top-five receiver in the NFL. Bill Belichick is pretty damn impressive, and I'm not just saying that because he's been to eight Super Bowls in 18 years, but you've got to check out this profile of him. Pete Thamel, Yahoo Sports. I'm telling you guys, like, you know I'm a longtime Jets fan, and I do not like the Patriots, okay? there's uh, No denying it. I can respect what Tom Brady has done there. I can respect what Bill Belichick has accomplished. And you just wonder, it sounds easy. Rob, on the surface, it sounds easy. Oh, yeah, sure, you can find these, you know, overlooked guys in the draft. No problem. So how come Belichick's the only one doing it? I mean, yes, Steelers have hit on some. uh, Antonio Brown, late-round pick. Le'Veon Bell, mid-to-late round. It happens. But they have no—I mean, Brandon Cooks is the only guy, and he wasn't drafted by them. Undrafted Amendola. Undrafted Hogan. Rob, how does Belichick do this?
8: Well, first off, let's not gloss over the point that you said Julian Edelman is the top five wide receiver in the NFL. That was the what, is he the not? hottest take of the week. What, what are you talking about? He is not close to top five. You're what crazy. Really? You're getting crazy what? these days. Uh, are you serious? But let, that's the size of the point. Bill You're Dolly- laughing at it. <laughs> okay, hold it's on. Ridiculous. Uh, you, you
5: go. Let me look at it. Oh yeah. Uh, last season, 98 catches, 1100 yards. No, oh, yeah, oh, he's garbage. Okay. Right. I didn't say he was garbage. Okay. Was not when five. Wes Welker was killing it for the Patriots, was he a top five receiver in the league? No. No. Really? No. Wes Welker, all pro.
8: Top five means a guy that you have to double constantly. Nobody's thinking, uh, I oh, know. man, I've really got to double West Welker. Well, you better, you those better double at him. All right, keep going. Okay. I, I, so that's number one. Number two, the reason why Bill Belichick is so successful as a general manager is that he gets guys for his system. Yes. He doesn't try to say, I'm just going to take the best talent and then I'm going to work it around there. He's, nope, he's like, I have a system that works. It's proven that it works. Rather than me reach for this, you know, 6'5", 275, runs a 4 four forty defensive end who yeah. only produced two tackles, you know, in college. I'm going to get the solid NFL player who I know in this specific role
5: that I need him for is an ideal fit. Yeah. Julian mean, Edelman, by the way, played quarterback at Kent State. Exactly. He caught 98 passes last year. What so they, what, fine. Okay. With their, receiver? their
8: receivers, they get guys who are quick in short spaces. That's it. You give me a guy who's in and out of break from... From his five-yard you know, in-cut to his five-yard out-cut, that's all I need.
5: Jo- Julian Edelman, Wes Welker delivers that. Okay, so what? Danny Amendola. Adel- yeah. Tell me Edelman did t- at least top ten. Yeah,
8: first I'll give him top ten, but okay. top five. Well, crazy. I mean,
5: again, uh, all right. You got yeah, A.J. Green, Julio me. Jones, Antonio
8: Brown, Adele Beckham. That's four. I don't- so you're going to put them right there?
5: DeAndre Hopkins? DeAndre Hopkins. Keenan Allen? Oh. I love me some Keenan Allen. By the way, hey, this is not even that hot. I, I would take Edelman. Over Odell Beckham right there. Whoa. Whoa. Oh. I'm to Odell Beckham. What has he done?
8: See, you Jets fans can't have nice things. You guys, you guys make dumb choices. I, I do not I,
5: I'm just <laughs> I, I've said on the show I would trade Odell Beckham. By the way, uh it, Giants fans don't get too angry. If you read closely, look closely at the quotes, they are not committed long term yet to Odell Beckham. The new GM, the new coach, I, I'm just saying, I don't know that they're a thousand percent in on Odell Beckham. He notice how Odell Beckham's gotten a lot tighter with his Twitter, Instagram. He's not popping off like he used to. Odell Beckham, I think he can see the I think his agent pulled him aside and said, Odell, hey, I know you're running with Drake. Uh, I know you're hanging with big dogs. Let's dial it back. We want that big, 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 big money deal. Let's dial it back. Show you're a professional. You're coming back from injury. I know you're working out with Johnny Football. Please, for the love of Graham Crackers, do not Go to any clubs with Johnny Football. Keep an eye on that. If they pay him, they pay him. I would not. Julian Edelman, so good. 2013, 105 catches. 2014, 92. Last year, 98. All right, top five was a stretch. I'll concede. I will concede. A misspeak by yours truly. Damn it. Coming up next year, the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. I haven't. discussed the Blake Griffin trade. It's one of my favorite moments from this week in sports. And, and I math killed Blake Griffin. Honestly, that's what happened. Math killed him. I'll tell you why next.
7: Jason, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2018 selection meeting is going on as we speak in Minneapolis. The selection committee has already voted on the two senior finalists, Houston Oilers linebacker Robert Brazil and Packers offensive lineman Jerry Kramer, as well as contributor finalist Bobby Bethard. They're now discussing the 15 modern era finalists, beginning with defensive backs Brian Dawkins, Ty Law, John Lynch, and Everson Walls. Running back Edron James is being discussed as we speak before the selectors take a break with the likes of Brian Urlacher, Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, and Ray Lewis still to come. Speaking of Lewis, here's what making the Hall of Fame would mean to him. This
4: honor. It's it's everything. It's everything for our family. It's everything for people who who don't understand what hope really means, who don't understand what never quit.
7: I like his chances. Class will be unveiled later today. Finally, in the NBA last night, Anthony Davis scored 43 points in the Pelicans' 14-point win over Oklahoma City despite another Russell Westbrook triple-double. And Giannis Antetokounmpo hit the game-winning left-handed layup with 1.9 to play, giving Milwaukee a 92-90 victory over the New York Knicks. Jason, back to you. Thank you, Isaac. How about that lefty finish from Giannis?
5: Spinning and winning. To quote the great New York Knicks announcer, Winning. "What? What a finish from Giannis!" Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. I'm your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Uh, I didn't go on social media yet to uh, check your reaction to uh, the Julian Edelman comment. You know, listen, hey, I, I, it was it was a it was a misspeak. Julian Edelman's a not a top five receiver, while Isaac was. Giving you the updates there, I just checked. No, top 10, not top five. A mistake. I concede it happens. We're not, nobody's perfect, people. Speaking of perfect, Blake Griffin felt like the perfect player coming out of college. Did he not? Nick, I know you're an NBA hunk. <laughs> Blake Griffin coming out of college felt perfect. Yeah. yeah. Dunking machine. Uh-huh. Nick, I'm going to surprise you here with some stats. Blake Griffin's rookie year. Now, remember, he had to sit out of first year because of an ACL. Blake Griffin's first year in the league. 22 points, 12 rebounds. As a 21-year-old, he was lights out. Oh yeah. It was dynamite. Blake Griffin this year. 28 years old. 8th year in the league. 22 points a game. 8 rebounds a game. Has he has he gotten better? Has he improved from his rookie year? is he shooting threes is he developing I mean uh, folks what happened to Blake Griffin is really sad and and, and I have this pretty good analogy I'm going to get to here in a second but I want to just start with what LeBron said about Blake Griffin I know you guys heard this okay LeBron on the Blake Griffin trade when a player gets traded it's they they was doing what's best for the franchise right but when a player decides to leave he's not loyal he's a snake he's not committed. It's just that's the narrative of how it goes. And LeBron's a thousand percent right. Listen, Kevin Durant was on a snake. LeBron was on a snake. They did what's best for them. The franchise is going to do what's best for them. Player's going to do what's best for them. It's not that different. But here's why I don't think trading Blake Griffin, uh, what, three, four months after giving him $173 million was cold or ruthless. And he found out about it on Twitter. Nick, let's just say the Clippers went to Blake Griffin this week and said, Hey, Blake, just so you know, we're exploring trade ideas for you. Blake Griffin would have exploded at them. <laughs> he would have been angry. And then, Nick, what happens if they couldn't finish the trade? Oh, you bleep. You guys were going to trade me? You just gave me $173 to. Gonna... It would have messed with his head. Oh, yeah. It would have totally, it would have got out there in the public and now they're exploring the trade. The whole offseason is Blake getting traded. I actually think the Clippers did it the right way. Quick, painless, get it done. This was better. Now, not like him finding out on Twitter is not ideal, but things happen. It's not the end of the world. Remember, Blake Griffin had the option. Do you want a no trade or do you want that fifth year? Hey Blake, maybe take a little less money. 130 million and have the no trade, have the security. But he wanted that fifth year 173 million and I I I would have taken the security. That's just me, but Yeah, I actually looked this up. Blake Griffin's made 96 million dollars so far. That does not count his endorsements, his marketing deals. Blake Griffin's already worth at least 150 million dollars. So if he would have just taken a little less to get the no trade, he would have been fine. But now I want to get to this math ruined Blake Griffin. And and uh, listen, the NBA's changed since Blake joined the league. He made 38 three-pointers last year. That's it. Joel Embiid playing 31 games, 30 fewer games than Blake Griffin. Joel Embiid made 36 threes last year. Marc Gasol, first eight years in the NBA, made 12 threes. Eight years, 12 threes for Marc Gasol. Last year, he made 104. What did Marc Gasol do? He adapted, right? Adapt or die. Think about your life and uh, your job. Let's say you're a pharmaceutical sales rep in the 90s, and your company says, hey, hey, we're getting this new thing called a smartphone. And it can help you respond to emails from your phone. Right. Uh, help you do your job. You can try it if you want. Now, the drawback is, well, we can get it. We can just call you. We can get email you. We were expecting responses. You don't have to get a smartphone. You're not obligated, but it'll help you do your job. You don't have to go stop at Panera Bread or Starbucks to use their Wi-Fi and link up and send an email. You become more efficient at your job by getting the smartphone. You're going to get a leg up. You get in a couple more calls per day. It helps with your efficiency. Well, the NBA decided the three-pointer is better than two. This hit about five or six years ago. Some teams decided, let's go that route. Math. Others did not. Blake Griffin said, I'm good. I don't need the threes. I'm just going to use my athleticism and dunk on people. And Blake Griffin's got left behind a little bit. We know he's a good passer. He could score, he could junk a dump over everybody. But think about this. Allen Iverson's career really started to, to tail off when he lost his athleticism in his 30s. We're talking about practice. Russell Westbrook's athleticism is only going to get him so far. You need to advance your game. You need to become more efficient. And Blake Griffin, his number one priority this next, uh, what, year and a half, absolutely has to be developing a three-point shot. If he wants to be important in his 30s and maybe chase a ring, you better become a three-point shooter. Look around the league at all the big guys. DeMarcus Cousins, his game was good in Sacramento. He's banging threes now. He's an all-NBA player this year. Remember Maurice Spates? He was just a guy. Dude, Maurice Spates is a valuable three-point shooter. He's going to play until he's like 38 because he can make threes. As a big guy coming off the bench. Blake Griffin, you need to do that. His 38 three-pointers last year ranked 219th in the league. That, to me, is a guy saying, threes, eh, I'm good. I I, I don't really need that. If you're a big guy now coming into the NBA, you better make threes. Look at Laurie Markkinen, rookie in Chicago. Dude, he is awesome. He's seven feet tall. He bangs threes. Look at DeAndre Ayton out of Arizona. I believe he's going to be the number one pick in the draft. Nick, I don't know how much you've seen of him. DeAndre Ayton is a bad... I don't think I could say those two letters, but he's a bad boy, okay? DeAndre Ayton of Arizona's 7-1 looks like Shaq did in blue chips. Wow. I'll have to look him up. And he can move his feet on the perimeter, guard and guards, and he's got a three-point touch. Blake Griffin, man, I, I, you got to make three-pointers. That's all you need to do. I know you like Vegas and the nightlife and Kendall Jenner and blah, blah. Bro, get in the gym. Make some threes. Expand your game. Coming up next, here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. We've got some Laker fans listening at this hour. we got a big Laker fan in the studio. But for the first time in almost a year, I get the feeling LeBron... Actually wants to stay in Cleveland, I'll explain next. Oh <laughs> Lonzo Ball rapping. Nick's favorite. <laughs> you think a week will go by without that
3: happening? Come on. It's not awful. <laughs> it's not awful. It's Lonzo Ball.
5: <laughs> it just seems weird. Uh, back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. So I just had a spirited debate with producer Rob regarding Blake Griffin and three-pointers. So, Rob, I step up to the microphone. We we need to discuss this uh, because Rob doesn't think Blake Griffin needs to develop a three-point shot. And his other argument is Joel Embiid should not be shooting threes. Did I correctly That's summarize? That's an
8: oversimplification okay, of what I okay, said. Okay, okay, okay. Go, go. What go. I'm saying is, he doesn't need to be shooting five, six threes a game. That's not what makes Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin is is a pick and roll monster. He can attack the the rim better than almost anybody in the league. And if he can, you know, score efficiently at the rim, which he can, why do you want him shooting a least a less efficient shot that often? Well, if you become more efficient from three, you become a contender. Look okay. at the Houston Rockets. Sure, okay, Houston Rockets. Look er- at the Eric Gordon. Right, you think he's a good three-point shooter? You would say so. Uh, he's a guard coming out. He was a good. Okay, shooter. you you yep. think he's a good three-point shooter? Of course. Blake and that Griffin shoots great. better percentage from three than Eric Gordon does. What's Eric Gordon at? Thirty-three point six percent.
5: Okay. But Eric Gordon is making how many a game? He's shooting nine a game, and he's making three of them. Okay, so he makes three. So he's getting nine points on threes per game. Mm -hmm. Blake Griffin's making, what, one a game? Half a game? No, he's making almost two a game. He's making
8: 1.9
5: a game. Right. So from an efficiency standpoint, Eric Gordon is getting you more points from three than Blake Griffin's likely to get you from two. Fair assessment? How do you figure? Well, Eric Gordon is making three-pointers while Blake Griffin is making two-pointers. Yeah, pointers.
8: so he's making nine points on three a game, and he's shooting twice as many of them. Blake Griffin's getting you six points a game, shooting half as many.
5: Yeah, so I give me the three-pointers. Now, they're but, different positions, so it's a, it's difficult because Eric he, Gordon's job is to jack. And the thing about Blake Griffin is
8: when he was part of the Lob City Clippers, he was incredible because they had they had a, a spacing shooter you know with JJ Redick they had a, a whoever their small forward was so it was just to space it out and Chris Paul and and him and DeAndre would run pick and roll all day you couldn't stop it and then all of a sudden Doc Rivers decides I'm just going to play this Boston Celtics slow it down you know Blake Griffin do pick and pop from now on cuz you know it's it's crowding the 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 paint area for Chris and, and DeAndre and all of a sudden Blake Griffin kind of just fell off that way like the the more people try to make him something he's not, the least of, the less effective he is.
5: Oh, th- that's a fair statement. Now Blake Griffin, early in his career, was shooting fifty four percent from the field, fifty three. He's at forty four percent this year because he's shooting so many damn threes. Well, that that's just field goal percentage. So he's maybe not getting the good looks he was when he was with had Chris Paul as his point guard on those pick and rolls that you're talking about. So, I I just I I don't know that. Long-term, this is the right strategy for Blake. Like, at at 31 years old, after six surgeries, is Blake Griffin going to be dunking and dominant on the pick and roll when he's a step slower? No. Probably but not. if he's developed a three-pointer, like a Maurice Spates, like DeMarcus Cousins, is he still valuable as a stretch four?
8: But he's not that guy. But don't you want to
5: become that guy?
8: Okay, but you... You want Blake Griffin, one of the most feared pick and roll ah. players in the NBA was. I don't know that he is anymore because nobody runs the pick and roll with him anymore. Because it's not Austin as efficient. Rivers
5: was running the pick and roll with Austin him. That's on. why he hey. wasn't as efficient. That's maybe Chris maybe the loss of Chris May, Paul. Maybe is huge. Reggie
8: Jackson will help him. Okay, yeah, so that's his new point guard. So
5: Draymond Green came into the league couldn't shoot threes for a lick. I think he shot 15% as a rookie. Develops a three-point shot in the Steve Kerr system. And is, I mean, he's not shooting a great percentage now, but it's an element of his game you have to respect. Remember, the Cavs in the finals said, we'll let Andre Iguodala shoot threes. Good luck beating us. We'll let Draymond shoot threes. Draymond had 30-15-9 in game seven, that loss. I mean, Draymond was unbelievably efficient. Okay, Draymond Green shoots. The 27, maybe? 27%. 30%. 30%.
8: Yes. He shoots 3.8 threes a game. Would you think that Blake Griffin, 3.8 sounds about right for him to shoot that many threes a game?
5: Well, I mean, he Drake, Blake is the number one option in Detroit or the Clippers. But there's no good reason Draymond for him to like be shooting five option.
8: and a half threes a
5: game. So you would tell Blake, hey, Blake, continue doing you, don't develop it. No,
8: I state. would say you can shoot the three, but you don't need to shoot
5: it five to six times a game. Get you three or four of them. Let me ask if there's a parallel to this show. So in, in sports talk radio around the country, People love to take calls. That's kind of like the lazy radio. Oh, let me take some calls. Let me take calls for two hours. You told me on the show. I, I initially was like, oh, if people are calling in, they love the show. They want to talk. And you're like, no, no, no. We don't we don't take calls. That that's hacky. And I talked to Cowherd, who gives me tips he's like, don't take calls. Come on. Um so should I take calls, which is what I think I can do good at, or should I morph into the modern radio host who doesn't take calls and comes up with good takes? I see you laughing over <laughs> there.
8: That, that was a good argument to go in your favor. That was good.
5: <laughs> All right, we'll wrap on that. And quickly, because it's a nice little victory for me. Qu- can I quickly tell you why I think LeBron wants to say, Nick, How are we out? how are we on time? We got time? Yeah, okay. Quickly, two weeks ago, LeBron's whole argument Hey, Houston Rockets are an option. Chris Paul's there. Now, this is from LeBron's camp, obviously not from LeBron's mouth. This week, Golden State Warriors, I love that culture. I'll take a meeting with them, sure. To me, that's a sign LeBron actually wants to stay. That's LeBron sending a message to Dan Gilbert, who he won't talk to. Hey, man, I want to stay. I don't want to leave again. I got people who love me now because I came back to Cleveland and won a title. And... I don't want to go to Houston, but I will if you don't get this team better. I don't want to go to Golden State. I'm gonna take a meeting with Steve Kerr and, and, and Curry and Dre and Kevin Durant and all them. I think LeBron wants to stay. Now I don't. Now Nick, I know you're shaking your head. And I, I I should have given myself more time. I think LeBron wants to stay, but I don't think he will because there's the team is garbage and there's no solution to winning. Here's a scenario I'm gonna get out of here on this one. They they could fall to the sixth seed. Or five seed without Kevin Love, right? He's out six to eight weeks. They could then face the Celtics in the second round. Nick, when LeBron was in the playoffs in 2010, Cavs faced the Celtics second round. Lost. He gave up. Left yep. in free agency. If they lose to the Celtics in the second round, LeBron leaves in free agency. You like that? You like that? All right, coming up next, prop bets in the Super Bowl. We're going to put money in your pocket. Super Bowl. Hour number three, everybody, here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. I'm your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Some fun college hoops games going on across the country today. College basketball's been actually quite good this year. But the NBA's been so hot with the storylines that college hoops has kind of been pushed to the back burner. If you haven't had a chance to see Trey Young yet, the young point guard at Oklahoma, he is as advertised. Spectacular. I saw a lot of, is he Steph Curry? Well, no, he's not. But he's going to be the first of a generation of kids who try to be like Steph Curry. I wonder, though, when it comes to football and the Super Bowl, if we're ever going to see a Bill Belichick clone, if we're going to see someone who tries to be like Brady and Belichick, we see it in basketball all the time. I mean, Michael Jordan emerged, and then you had a dozen guys try to look and copy Jordan. Harold Miner, fellow by the name of LeBradford Smith, everybody wanted to be Michael Jordan. Everybody wanted to be Kobe. So you had guys coming out and emulating them. How come in football, Which is a copycat league. We don't see a lot of Brady and Belichick. Oh, it's it's because it's impossible. This is the greatest combination we've seen in modern sports history, and that's why what they've accomplished. That's why I'm such. I'm in shock that so many people are betting on and backing the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. I just I cannot fathom it. Nothing. Nothing that I've seen or heard makes sense from all the public that has overwhelmingly gravitated toward Nick Foles and Doug Peterson. I mean, really, wrap your mind around that. Nick Foles and Doug Peterson going up against Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. It's unfathomable. Yet everybody's picking the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. Give me the Eagles on the money line. I'm hearing that everywhere. The show before this, earlier this morning, oh, I love the Eagles. Oh, got to take the Eagles here. Everybody's on the Eagles. Bye. And I got to re- gotta remind you guys, the look-ahead line to the Super Bowl. Before the conference championship games, the hypothetical Patriots-Eagles matchup was Patriots favored by seven. It's down to four and a half. Because of what? A great Nick Foles performance in a conference championship game? At home, against a Vikings team that was ripe to get pounded after they got lucky in a walk-off victory. I compared this matchup to Connor McGregor and the love he was getting from the betting public. They love a plucky underdog. Oh, come on, McGregor can do it. He can pull the upset. And you're forgetting, oh yeah, that Mayweather guy, kind of a good boxer. Maybe the best of his generation. Maybe an all-time great. And what happened? By the 10th round, he picked apart the Irishman and technically knocked him out. TKO in the 10th round. I believe we're going to see something similar happen this Sunday in the Super Bowl. And to decipher the betting angle, we're going to talk about that a lot this hour. Super Bowl prop bets and the like. We're bringing on my guy, T.A., Mr. Ohio State, Mr. Cleveland Browns. T.A., how are you, man? What's up, Jason? How yeah. it going? And by the way, have you spent your Super Contest winnings yet, or no? Uh,
6: not, not yet. So I'm um, uh, just hold out. I'll be in Vegas in March for the uh, uh, March Madness. So uh, maybe I'll spend a little bit there.
5: Oh, you're going there for opening weekend?
6: Uh, well, actually, they, actually, I'll be there for conference uh, championship weekend.
5: Okay, but, <laughs> I, I've heard that's a sausage fest. So uh, you know, <laughs> try to have some fun. All right, so TA <laughs> uh, prop bets galore. Um, is anything jump out of you? And let me preface this by saying I think the probably the worst bet is the first quarter. Uh, I'm sure you've seen that the Patriots, seven Super Bowls, no touchdowns in the first quarter. What's the problem? Uh, T.A., please tell me you're not jumping on something first quarter related to the Super Bowl.
6: No, no, it's funny. I, actually, cause you, I heard that same stat last year, and so I did take the uh, uh, under for uh, the Patriots first quarter and that hit.
7: Yeah. It's amazing. I don't know why that stat is.
6: I mean, it sounds like uh, Belichick and Brady they like to feel the other team out in the first quarter, so yes. they don't do anything crazy, and then it sets themselves up. So I don't know if it's just coincidence or what the deal is, but but no, I'm not doing anything uh, first quarter related this year.
5: Where are you looking in the prop bet world?
6: So I've got a few props. So first off, I, I totally agree with you. Public is all over Philly. It, it's it's just so typical of you know how the the betting public typically looks at uh, the NFL. What have you done for me lately? They saw that. I mean, think about it. In the two weeks ago or two games ago, uh, Philly was was playing at a home against Atlanta, and they were a three point underdog, and everybody was betting Atlanta, right? And so oh, now yeah. all of a sudden, now all of a sudden you're in the Super Bowl against the Patriots, and everybody loves Nick Foles and the Eagles. It's amazing how that is. But you know, it's, you know, it's standard. They go out, they bl- they blow out, they look amazing. They blow out the Vikings. Uh, New England, you know, could have lost to Jacksonville. And so now the betting public uh, loves Philly. It's just, it's just standard. That's how it is. I personally am not taking the points, but I, I like New England to win. But instead of taking New England money line, which is about, you know, I think you'd have to lay about 190, maybe 200, yeah. I'm just going to take Tom Brady MVP minus 140. I mean, they're not going to win and him not be MVP, right? It's just not going uh, um, so to happen.
5: Unless, what, Dion Lewis is going to go crazy? Yeah, I don't see that happen.
6: Well, I mean, think about it last year. James White had, what, 13 catches? He had a couple touchdowns. Yeah,
5: 14. And he didn't even get MVP.
6: Exactly. He didn't even win the MVP. That, of all the years that should have happened, that was it. So that kind of proves to me that no matter what any other player does, uh, it's always going to be Brady. So to me, that's a cheap way to get, if you like New England, just take Brady and win MVP. You can get it for a cheaper price.
5: That's a smart one. I can back you on that one. Or what other prop bets do you like in the Super Bowl?
6: So a couple more I like, and this is an interesting one. Uh I've got the Eagles with more penalty yards, minus 155. <laughs> and, and, and hear me out on this one. So um, New England is top five in the NFL in least uh, penalized team. Their um, the, their opponents are um, – they put up way more penalty yards than they do. Eagles are 17th in the NFL in net penalty yards. New England has benefited the most from defensive pass interference. And, Ooh. you know, I, I don't know if you've looked at the um, – the uh the referee crew but from from a couple articles I've read that the the referee crew that's going to be in the Super Bowl has called the fifth most defensive PI and defensive holding penalties in the NFL. Oh so, wow. So I think you're going to see a, a little bit of that. Also New England's uh six straight games that they've uh, that their opponents have um been penalized more than they have and and Philly's just kind of a middle of the road team from that perspective. So I think when it all you know comes down to it I think you're getting nice value here. Um, I think uh, the the Eagles are going to put up the most penalty yards so that 155... That's a,
5: that's be a, a crafty one. one. Uh, do you have any related to, like, those cheesy halftime or national anthem, Justin Timberlake, pink ones, or do you just steer clear of those?
6: No, I stay clear of those. I know there's a lot of stuff. You'll read a lot of stuff online. People are actually... You know, they analyze YouTube clips of uh, National Anthem and do all that stuff. I'll, I'll leave that to, to everybody else. I've got some player props if you want to hear Yes, player
5: props. Tell me you're all in on Gronk. I love Gronk over yards and over receptions.
6: I did not pay Gronk. I know it's a popular one, um, and I can totally see that. I, I've got a couple other ones. I've got um, Aguilar over 44.5 receiving yards, uh, and really with that one, uh the one area that uh New England's susceptible in, in the secondary is defending the slot. So Eric Rowe, who's the, the slot corner for New England is is ranked 106 if you look at uh huh. pro, pro Football Focus 106 in defensive backs. He's been terrible, so they've been torched uh, from the slot receiver's pr- perspective. So I like uh Aguilar to get over 44 and a half yards. Hmm. Uh I I like also Aguilar first TD 14 to 1. Um and then I also like uh Chris Hogan uh, over thirty-five and a half receiving yards, and and his first TD is fourteen to one. Here's why I like Hogan. So he's been out for the last couple months. Um, he came back for that Tennessee game uh, in the second round of the playoff. Yeah, didn't really get much action. He played ninety-one percent of the snaps against Jacksonville. Um, got four targets. Now look, it's it's Jacksonville in that secondary, so you know he didn't you know put up big numbers, which you know was was not unexpected. I think against a Philadelphia defense. Um, that has struggled from time, from time to time against number one, and number two receivers. I think 35 and a half yards is a bargain. It, here's an interesting thing I tweeted out yesterday. Eagles defense is fantastic at home. Number one in the NFL in points allowed. For whatever reason, when they go on the road, they've been torched. They're 19th in the NFL in opponent points uh, given up on wow. the road. Huh. Yeah, it, and you look at the last three road games, uh, they've given up some big numbers to number one and number two receivers, especially that Giants that game. That
5: Giants game. Oh my gosh.
6: Yeah, so number one receivers in the last three road games have put up nineteen catches, two hundred and forty four yards. Number two receivers, eleven catches for two hundred and nine yards. So I think between Cooks and Hogan, I think you're gonna see the the receivers hmm. you know put up some double moves against those cornerbacks. So, you know, although I think Gronk's gonna be a big part of this game plan, I think it's gonna open up the uh uh the ability of Hogan and Cooks, especially,
5: to put up some big numbers. It, it, so that's why I like Hogan. It's weird. Uh, for some reason, the Eagles can't defend tight ends. Uh, Kelsey from the Chiefs had 103 yards and a touchdown. Jordan Reed, two TDs. Evan Ingram, 101 total yards. Like, for some, I, I don't know if a lot of that falls on Malcolm Jenkins. Um, but if, if you're not doubling Gronk, he's going to eat. Now, let me ask you quickly about Aguilar. Uh, he's going to be going up against Eric Rowe. Rowe is a former Eagle. I think he was drafted maybe by Chip Kelly. Um, but do you think that's any advantage for him going against a guy he uh, in in the system he played in against?
6: No, because it's a different coaching staff. Okay. And, um I'm not even sure if Aglar and Rowe were there at the same yeah, time. Yeah, they may uh,
5: not have uh, overlapped. Good point. So, All right. No, so I think I, yeah, go ahead. Let me uh, let me get you out of here on this one. When you look at the sides, everything you just said numbers-wise, sounds like Patriots handily. Would you take something crazy like Patriots win by exactly 14 points, Patriots score over 29 points, something like that?
6: I actually think it's going to be a higher-scoring game uh, than people people are thinking, only because of, You know, again, the Eagles on the road. When they're away from home, it's just a totally different defense. And you're in a dome, so typically dome games have higher-scoring outcomes in the Super Bowl. And I think Philly will be able to put up some points against New England, too. So um, I-, I think alternative line, I don't know about exactly uh, put, uh, predicting how many points uh, New England will win by, but if you want to do an alternative line, you could probably get minus 10.5 and probably get you know, plus 270 or something like that. Um, that's not a bad bad you know, outcome if you think it's going to be a higher scoring, a little higher variance um, outcome. Um I personally am just, you know, I, I just think money line, New England is the way to go for me. And that's why I like the Brady MVP, just because I think points will be scored. And if, if New England wins, he's going to win MVP. And that's um, that's good enough for me. But uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, be a terrible play if you think New England has a shot to win big to just take that alternative yeah. line. All
5: right, T.A., good stuff. Let's get you out of here with this. Um, we'll bring you back from March Madness. But uh, regarding the Browns, your team, would you rather have them trade for Kirk Cousins or draft uh, one of the quarterbacks number one overall?
6: Well, Kirk Cousins is going to be a free agent. No, sorry, sorry,
5: not trade for me. Yes, sign Kirk Cousins.
6: Yeah, I, I, pro- I, I personally would rather just take the franchise quarterback at one. Huh. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a Darnold fan. Now, don't get me wrong. If they, if they sign Cousins, it wouldn't kill me. They have so much cap space that, you know, even $35 million to a guy like Kirk Cousins okay. wouldn't really put a major dent into the, their salary cap. I just think, for, for me, you get a chance to get a twenty year old, twenty one year old uh, quarterback who could be your franchise guy for ten plus years. Browns haven't drafted. Get this, Browns haven't drafted a quarterback uh, inside the top twenty two of the draft since Tim Couch in nineteen ninety nine. I mean, they're just they're just immune. I mean, they take these you know third, fourth uh, best QBs every year between Whedon and Manziel and Brady Quinn. They don't take the top guys, and this is their opportunity to take the best guy. Uh, on the board, they have the pick of the litter. I just think it's you. Just take your, your franchise quarterback at one, and you roll. So, but if they took if they sign Cousins, it's not the end of the world. Uh, you know, if they can they can uh, turn it around quickly. I just think uh, there's a little bit of a ceiling there with Cousins.
5: All right, TA, thanks a lot. Enjoy the game, and uh, we'll talk to you in March. Well, cool. Thanks, Jason. All right, coming up next on the Big Lead Fox Sports Radio. It's the last weekend of the NFL season. We look into our crystal ball. Pre-Snap Reads is next. Black Rifle Coffee. Brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Veteran owned, veteran roasted. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com and use the code FoxSports20 for 20% off your first order. All right. We had a uh, successful season with our Pre-Snap Reads which essentially was our predictions every weekend. I obviously won first place. Uh, Nick was dead last, as usual. And uh, (laughs) Rob, I believe, was a distant second. Something along those lines. I don't have the exact numbers. Um, But the predictions for the Super Bowl, what do you want to do? Two anything? Or should we up it to three anything just for the bleep of it? I think Rob's going on another vacation. Mr. Worldly travels next week, so he may not even be here to do a victory lap if he happens to win this round. But uh, we have time for three, so here we go. Pre-snap reads.
8: It's about time! The
6: only NFL predictions you'll need. It's time for us to turn it up a notch. This is your pre-snap read in the big league.
5: All right, I'm going to get it started. This is bad news for the Philadelphia Eagles. They gave up 27 to the Chiefs, 24 to the Giants, 24 to the Chargers, 29 to the Giants, 23 to the Panthers, 24 to the Redskins. Man, this team away from home could be very suspect. I believe the Patriots will score between 29 and 35 points. I'm getting plus 307 on that. So the Patriots will score between 29 and 35 points. My gut is 31, but I wouldn't be shocked by 34. I think they're going to move the football at will, up-tempo, Patriots score a lot of points. It may not come early. Um but I think by third quarter they're just going to start to pick them apart. Nick, next up. You know, I'm with you.
3: I'm going to give out my score flat right uh, out right. Now, I'm going to I'm just going to go and say it's going to be a blowout, Jason. Okay? Now, you know, just to give my score correctly, I'm... I have, do you do Super Bowl really quick? Do you do Super Bowl squares? You know, like I, I anything.
5: I've heard of them. I've never. done.
3: Okay, well, it's like you get the the second digit of the last you know number, and it goes by quarter. Okay, so I got eight and three. Terrible numbers. Terrible. They're bad. So okay. anyway, I'm gonna go blow out 28, 13 Patriots. I was gonna go at least two touchdowns. I really here's the thing. Bill Bell, There is no way Nick Foles is gonna carve up that Belichick defense, that Patriots defense. Hey, wait, wait, whoa, Nick, Nick, like
5: Blake yes. Bortles.
3: I'm sorry. Went into Nick Foxborough. Foles. Nick Foles. Yes, yeah, Blake Bort, yeah, right, right. Yes, Go and ahead. played well. Yes.
5: Why can't Nick Foles? Beca- because Bill Belichick had two weeks to prepare. Okay, for that's this right. That's the answer I was looking for. Yeah, that's good.
8: Rob, I'm looking. I'll give my prediction later, but I'm giving my uh, my first thing. I'm looking at is the battle of the tight ends. Two of the best in the NFL, Gronkowski probably the best ever to do it, and Zach Ertz is very, very good in this specific game. I think Zach Ertz is going to be one of the bigger stars. Wow. Wow. He's their their safety blanket for Nick Foles. They look for him a lot, especially in the red zone. I'm taking Zach Ertz to get more catches and more touchdowns oh my God.
5: than Rob Gronkowski. What did you put in your coffee? Kahlua or something? I mean, <laughs> it was
8: Bailey's, actually.
5: Bro, first of all, we know what Belichick does every Super Bowl, right? Takes away the best option. Took away Julio Jones largely last year. I think Julio Jones had like four catches or four targets. He's going to take away Ertz. That's the move here. You don't need to take away Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jefferson. You take away Zach Ertz. I, I think Ertz is going to get shut down, and I don't know where Foles is going to look for offense. I mean, maybe he could just do RPOs all day, and Belichick's not ready for that, but good luck. So you're taking Ertz with more catches and yards than Gronk?
8: Yes, because I think that uh, Tom Brady's oh. going to spread it around like he does. I think Foles is going to get a little bit... Uh, his locking in a little bit on his favorite receivers. That's what I feel.
5: Okay. Um, this is a quasi-off the board. There's actually a bet. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. If you are making any prop bets and you're a fan of Justin Timberlake, I'm a I'm sort of a fan. I'm not a huge fan. Bruno Mars is immensely more talented. Will Justin Timberlake cover a Prince song at halftime? That's gotta be an automatic yes, right? Prince from Minnesota. I would. It would be the upset of the Super Bowl if Justin Timberlake does not cover a Prince song. So I would back up the Brinks, go to your guy on the corner, go to your website, whatever. Justin Timberlake will cover a Prince song at halftime. Nick? Man,
3: I, I saw a thing where he won't bring out Janet Jackson. God, I wish that would happen though. that Would oh, that be fun? On. No. That'd
5: be, come, come on, that'd on NFL would. The NFL would be. We might just shut down the production in the middle of it. If First of all, to. that
3: was not, that was the most overblown thing back then. But anyway, Jason, I think this is not going to be like a big Tom Brady game. I don't think Tom Brady is going to rip over 300 plus yards, three TDs. I think he'll have a pretty good game, good enough to definitely beat the Eagles. You know, like a 250 yard, couple TD game, maybe a pick. To me, this is going to be about Belichick. And I think this defense, even though they haven't been, this this, you could argue this is probably one of the worser Patriots teams that has gotten to a Super Bowl. Yeah. But I mean, this defense. I just really think Belichick is going to put his stamp on this. I think Matt Patricia is also going to put his stamp on this game too. I really think this this Patriots defense is not going to let Nick Foles go off. I think they're going to get at least four turnovers in this game. The Patriots defense at least one, four turnovers, four, four turnovers. I like a pick six from Nick Foles, and I, I, I see I see sacks. Come on, dude! It sounds like a bloodbath, huh? I think it's going I think it will be. I mean, think about it. The Patriots have never. Blown out anyone in the Super Bowl. It's always been five close Super Bowl wins for them over the last... I, I, I would agree. For a while. I think they're, they're due for one blowout, I think.
5: Interesting.
8: Ooh. If the Patriots get four turnovers and they'll score 28 points, that'll be <laughs> terrible.
5: That would be... Okay,
8: so I'm going off the board, too, for my second uh, pre-snap read here. Involving the National Anthem. And it's, it's involving the singer Pink, who... Iowa Sam mistakenly played a Lady Gaga song thinking it was Pink earlier. <laughs> now, I don't know if you know this, Jason. Maybe you do because you're a big pop culture fiend. Pink is an Eagles fan. Yes. So yes. right now, the odds are, the, the odds that Pink will say the word Eagles either before, or during or after her anthem, yes, is at plus 170. I like that.
5: How, wait, why? That's odd. I'm
8: going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and put money on Pink saying the word Eagles or wait, go wait, Eagles. Why would,
5: why would that be plus plus? Three hundred, you said?
8: No, plus one seventy. Plus one seventy, which means you're going to make some money. Yeah, betting but, on that. I one. Mean, so obvi-
5: don't doesn't every national anthem singer somehow reference the game or a team? Uh, sometimes. I mean, especially
8: I think especially because she is an Eagles fan, she's going to sneak in a go Eagles there at the okay. end. So give me the plus one seventy. Right, so should go we do, should
5: we do one more each? Yes. Okay. My final one, Jay Ajayi over one point five catches. Lock it up. Uh, last year in the Super Bowl, Devontae Freeman two catches, forty six yards. Last week, Corey Grant at the Jaguars three catches, fifty nine yards. My biggest mystery in that Jaguars game: where was Corey Grant in the second half? Worked like a charm. Go watch the tape. First half, he was he, his. The Patriots were stunned when he came on the field, and caught passes. Three catches, fifty nine yards. Didn't get a. Pl- I don't think he was on the field in the second half. I don't know what they were thinking, but Jay Ajayi. We'll catch over 1.5. The only wrinkle in this is if Corey Clement gets his snaps, and I think Corey Clement could. Uh, so that those are my three.
3: Uh, since my takes are way too hot, Jason, as you guys know, I'm going to go this. I'm going to go way out here. Bill Belichick, after this blowout win, retires. Oh,
8: I, li- like I like that. Just bold. He out. Unfortunately, we can't calculate that right after the game, Nick, so I appreciate that one. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> my last one, and it's my prediction for the game, I put some serious coinage up by serious. I mean about 85 cents on this one. Give me the Eagles plus four and a half in this one. Oh, jeez. And I'm going to double down, double up, uh, uh-uh. The Eagles are going to win this one outright. Oh, Lord. 24-23. It would be
5: the Okay, would that be the biggest upset in Super Bowl history? Be no, honest.
8: The, the Patriots over the Rams would be the biggest upset.
5: Well, in by point spread, but you're telling me this wouldn't be a Nick friggin' Foles? No, coming the off rest, the bench. To the win rest
8: a... of the Eagles roster is pretty stacked. It's you have Nick to admit Foles that. and Doug Peterson. You know what? You give is Nick Doug the Peterson going to outscheme Bill Belichick? He, he doesn't, doesn't have to. Did Did Gus Bradley outscheme Bill Belichick? No. But when you have the horses, well, Bradley, you only need gosh, a couple of defense, plays to go your way. That defense had that game. All you right, only need a couple it. of yeah, plays.
5: You got the Eagles. Jeez. All right, that's- <laughs> You're going to go 0 for 3, Rob. All right. Thank you, uh, Rob. Pre-snap reads are done. Coming up next. Oh, boy. You guys are going to love this. We're talking to a guy who once wagered over $600,000 in Super Bowl prop bets. That is next. But first, let's go to Isaac Lowencron for the latest...
7: Sports. Jason, here is the latest on the selection meeting for the Pro Football Hall of Fame Class of 2018 going on as we speak in Minneapolis. Former Jacksonville Jaguars offensive lineman Tony Baselli was the latest of the 15 modern era finalists to be discussed in the selection committee room. He was preceded by linebackers Ray Lewis and Brian Erlacher, running back Edren James and defensive backs Brian Dawkins, Ty Law, John Lynch and Everson Walls. Among those still to be presented and discussed are Receivers Terrell Owens and Randy Moss. Great cash, homie. Indeed. Earlier today, the committee already voted on the two senior finalists, Houston Oilers linebacker Robert Brazil and Packers offensive lineman Jerry Kramer, as well as contributor finalist Bobby Bethard. The complete Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2018 will be unveiled later today in Minneapolis on, of course, the eve of Super Bowl 52. And finally, Jason, in a related story, our colleague Steve Hartman has currently barricaded me here in the Anchor Studio, bombarding me with tidbits and factoids about the Pro Football Hall of Fame selection process, one of his more knowledgeable obsessions. Help! Help! Isaac, Jason, Isaac, let me a- let
5: me ask you. If Terrell Owens does not get in the Hall of Fame, do we just stop talking about the Hall of Fame?
7: Sure. I mean, I instantly think back to his performance in Super Bowl 39, even though they lost. I mean, he was playing just, what, nine weeks after, like, breaking his ankle and had a bunch of receptions, including a bunch of clutch catches.
5: It's Super Bowl. This NFL media is a joke if they don't vote him in. Thank you, Isaac. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio, I'm your host, Jason McIntyre, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Thank you for joining us today. Super Bowl-heavy show, a uh, lot of prop bets. And, and folks, we found a guy who spent $600,000 betting on prop bets. And when I heard—I've been listening to his podcast for a while, and we had his partner on the show. He's the guy who created the movie 21. I guess he wrote the book that turned into the movie 21. And I was like, I got to invite the guy on the show who spent six hundred k on prop bets. So joining us now— his name is Rufus Peabody. I know that sounds like someone out of a Dickens novel, right? Um, he is the co-host of the Bet the Process podcast. Rufus, uh, good morning, or I guess if if you're on the East Coast, good afternoon. How, how are you, Rufus?
9: I'm doing well. It is the morning for me. In fact, I'm in, I'm in Las Vegas. Um, you make it sound like like I just
0: threw that money away, though.
5: No, no, no. I, I want to find out all about it. I mean, $600,000 that's uh that's some large money, first of all, did you have the money? Are you independently rich, or did you borrow it? Like how did you come up with 600 K to bet on prop bets?
9: Well, I, I bet on sports for a living, so that's just money for my bankroll um, but yeah I, I diversify a lot, so I'm not just you know it's not all in one prop or anything like that it's, it's spread out over hundreds of different props, so generally i don't I don't think it's a huge position in terms of my actual liability. Um, Generally, the return ends up being within plus or minus fifteen percent every year. It seems like.
5: I love the humble brag, Rufus. Oh, that's from my bankroll. Well, I've been doing,
9: I've been betting for a living for the last I guess eight and a half years now. So, it's you know it's yeah. So you need so money to make money, right? let me
5: ask you, and I and I do like the uh, the bet the process podcast, Rufus. I, I and I like how you guys kind of pick apart uh, whether it's a tout or not and all that stuff. So before we get to Super Bowl, let me ask you. Why? How come you're not selling picks? If if uh, you know fifteen percent return on investment, you're cleaning up betting six hundred thousand. How come you're not selling picks?
9: Well, I think the ecosystem of it is is really awful, um, morally, and uh, there's there's a lot of issues. First off, if you're good enough to win betting, I don't see why you should sell picks. And second, if you're if you bar selling picks and you're good, you're going to mo- end up moving lines on your release and you're going to screw up, screw your customers. And hmm. however, if, if you're, if you're not good, you're, you're not going to be moving lines and um, you'll be able to laugh, but you generally probably won't be winning. So it, are, it's very rare to find someone who's winning and not actually um, on the right side of the line moves. I feel like.
5: And that's a good point because my question to that would be, are you the kind of guy where Vegas knows you? And you're moving lines. If you come in and you, you say, "Hey, I'm going to get a hundred thousand dollars down on the first quarter under or whatever," are they going to not take your bet? Or you, I mean, are you are you a known entity in Vegas? And you've got you like banned from casinos the way your boy Jeff Mize?
9: Um, I, I can't I can't bet at William Hill, but nobody, nobody's going to take a hundred thousand on a first quarter under unless unless it's from some whale.
5: Why why are you not allowed to bet at William Hill?
9: Uh, they. Tend to not like action from sharp betters. <laughs> I'm not the only one. It's, I love the
5: humble brag, Rufus. <laughs> I'm
9: not the only one. I'm sorry. It's 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 kind of it's kind of a known thing.
5: Okay, so you spent six hundred thousand on prop bets. What is this year's uh, prop bet? You know, bankroll for you. Are you are still spending a lot? Did you see anything you absolutely love?
9: I, I saw a lot of things I loved when the prop sheets came out last week, and. I don't know what my overall haul is going to be. I'm still kind of waiting. Uh, there's a lot I do on game day because I think the public bets a lot of things the wrong way, a lot of overs. And so they create some opportunities to come in at the last minute and bet some unders, bet some no safeties, no defensive, special team touchdowns, things like that. So I'm trying to be flexible with, uh, with with what I have to work with for the weekend. So. You know, if good stuff comes along, I'm ready to go.
5: Okay. Will you be exceeding $600,000 on prop bet spending this year?
9: I don't know. And yeah, I'd rather not comment on that. Yeah, that's you.
5: probably a good answer. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we're, again, we're talking with Rufus Peabody of the Bet the Process podcast. All right. Uh, and again, I'm not asking you to give out picks, but when the prop sheets came out, did you see one that you instantly bet on that you would mind sharing with the unwashed masses listening to this radio show across um, the country?
9: I did. However, the the ones that I liked the best are no longer going to be available. Really, because I think oftentimes when the prop sheets come out, there's some lines that are egregiously mispriced. For example, uh, the South Point posted longest touchdown um, at fifty eight and a half yards to begin with, and I bet I bet that fifty eight and a half at fifty six and a half at fifty four and a half. They kept moving it, moving to two yards, and I bet it down to forty six and a half. Wow! So, <laughs> uh, but that's that's not a. Uh, I mean, that's just a prop that's really miss and that's I think if if I don't get that, someone else is going to get that yeah are there high um,
5: limits on that, Rufus, or is that like a five hundred dollar no. limit or something?
9: No, you're doing this generally a thousand at a time at okay. most of these places. the Westgate will take two thousand um, golden nugget will take five hundred cantor will take five hundred it's you know you're you're not you're not doing it in large um in, in you're not i guess it, I don't want to say a thousand dollars is not a large amount, but, but you're not. It, it, there's nowhere near the volume of betting like the game, NFL game.
5: And so as a sophisticated guy in Vegas, you're obviously not traipsing around to all these actual casinos. Are you doing it on your phone? Do you have multiple computers? Going? How does that work?
9: Oh, you actually have to go to casinos. Oh, sometimes. wow. Yeah, it's we we live in the Stone Ages in a way.
5: Jeez, that, that is bizarre. All right, we're talking with Rufus Peabody, co-host of the Bet the Process podcast. All right, Rufus, let me get you out of here with this. The look-ahead line—I don't know how much you buy into that—was uh, Patriots favored by seven over the Eagles. Then it, after the conference championship games, it opened at you know six, six and a half. It's down to four and a half. Is there value on the Patriots? A- and are is the public, which is overwhelmingly on the Eagles? I—I've read there are four bets of over a million dollars all on the Eagles. Uh, Brent Musburger was on this show last week talking about that sharp money. I, I just find it hard to believe, Rufus, that everybody loves the Eagles in this spot just because of what Nick Foles did last week. How much of this is recency bias?
9: I agree. A lot of it is recency bias. I think it's a big overreaction to how Nick Foles has played the last two games. Uh, I do think that the Eagles were were a little bit mispriced early on in the postseason because people thought that Nick Foles was a huge, huge downgrade and that he basically wasn't uh, even a confident backup. But I do think that there is value on the Patriots. However, I wouldn't play the point spread. I, the Super Bowl is an interesting animal. It's very different than any other game because you have a lot of bettors that I, mean, I wouldn't even call them recreational bettors. They're people that don't really bet except once a year. And they're going to bet. They want that lottery ticket, so they're going to bet on the underdog on the money line. And so all these Eagles bets are coming in um, on the money line, whereas anybody that's going to bet on the Patriots is going to bet on the point spread because they don't want to lay that price. So what you have, uh, what, what you have, what you end up having is a... Uh, a money line bet that's, that's mispriced um, on the Patriots. So you can get minus 170, minus 175 in some places in, in town, for, which for a four and a half point spread, that should be like minus 192, minus 193. True hmm. price. So I think, uh, you know, I'm going to wait and, and hit some Patriots' money line uh, on game day.
5: Do you see the, pa- uh, the line dropping at all, Rufus, to Patriots uh, negative three and a half? I, I think it's at four and a half now. Do you see it going below four?
9: I, I don't. I, I think that. There's just too much sharp money to be waiting to come in on the other side. And I also don't think the books want to leave themselves vulnerable to being middled there with the game landing on four.
5: Yeah. How does the public, uh, and sorry to keep asking, but I, how does the public not, you know, everybody knows that Vegas wins when you go, they go, they, they root for what everybody else, the opposite of what everybody else has. Everybody has Philadelphia. How does the public not see this?
9: How does the public not see it? Um, I don't know, really. I mean, it's it's just such a – this game is such an unusual game, and, and the action coming in is just so different than, than your normal game. But, I mean, the books will have lopsided action on, on on games during the season, but but um, obviously for the Super Bowl, it's a, it's a different animal for them.
5: All right, Rufus. Well, uh, thanks for joining the show, and good luck with uh, your prop bets and everything. Are you going to be tweeting out picks? Should people follow you uh, uh, on Sunday when you get down on game day?
9: No, I'm I'm not going to be releasing any prop picks. I have a website, Massey-Peabody.com, where I I do uh, free NFL picks, and we do power ratings um, with my partner, Cade Massey, who works as a professor at Wharton. But and that's free picks, by the way. We're not selling anything there. Nice. Okay. um, But but I I don't I don't uh, give out any prop stuff.
5: Okay. Massey Peabody, everybody, check it out. Thank you, Rufus Peabody. Thanks a lot, Jason. Boy, that guy's sharp, huh? I I I love the. uh, Yeah, 600000 That's part of my bankroll. Hey, listen, if you're looking for sharp people with the gambling, come to this show. Coming up next year on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. You know, I've got one more level to an NFL trade that I want to get to, and uh, then we'll talk Super Bowl next. Back here on the big lead, Fox Sports Radio. Man, Rufus Peabody, interesting cat. He's very casual about betting $600,000 on prop bets. I guess that's how he rolls. Um, Man, we covered a lot in this show. If you missed it, I'm sorry, but the podcast will be up in an hour or so. Check uh, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. It'll be on there somewhere. Uh, What did I not get to? We did a little LeVar Ball bashing. I think there's going to be more next week. Um, I did want to touch on an Alex Smith angle. So uh, Redskins fans obviously hate the trade, you know They wanted the mystery, the unknown in the draft. What does, and I touched on this with uh, T.A., what does the Redskins trade do to the top of the draft? Now, hear me out here. The Redskins are not drafting a first round, a quarterback in the first round at number 13. They're not going to take Baker Mayfield. So, does that mean a quarterback falls? And... Kirk Cousins now is leaving the Redskins. You FYI, like Kirk, like Kirk Cousins is from Illinois in the Midwest. Kirk Cousins grew up in Michigan, went to Michigan State. Very Midwest ethos, pumping through that blood. His father is a pastor. I don't know that culturally he's a fit with the New York Jets. I, I would love Kirk Cousins at a heartbeat. I think he'd be a slam dunk. I don't know that New York is where he wants to be. I do believe the Cleveland Browns will be in the mix for Kirk Cousins. And I would not be shocked if they got him. And then the question becomes, if the Browns sign Kirk Cousins, who is, what is he, 20? Yeah, he's 29. You're not taking a quarterback first overall. You don't spend the money on Kirk Cousins and then draft a quarterback first. It doesn't make sense. This is a franchise that's gone 1-31 in the last two years. You need to win. The GM knows he needs to win, Hugh Jackson obviously needs to win, and if you draft a quarterback and don't get Kirk Cousins, you're not winning. Maybe you think you can go get Case Keenum or Teddy Bridgewater, right? As a bridge quarterback to the number 1 pick, I don't think Keenum or Bridgewater are getting you to 6 wins. And are you bringing Hugh Jackson back if they if they have another four if they have a four win season? So if the Browns go Cousins, the most interesting angle is Do they trade the number one pick for a boatload of players? Do they go Saquon Barkley number one? Or will he be there at four where they have their other pick? What if my New York Jets say, hey, remember what the Rams offered for Goff and the Eagles offered for Wentz? We'll offer you that, Cleveland, for the number one pick. Cleveland now has two top five picks, boatloads of cap space. Oh. Yeah, Jets will do that. Yeah, yeah. New York Jets, we will do that. We'll take two number ones. Then the Browns are set up. You get Kirk Cousins, maybe you get Saquon Four, you get uh Minka Fitzpatrick, you get a defender. Uh, I I don't know. You you've got options. I don't know if the Browns are gonna pass on Kirk Cousins. And think about it. The Browns had offered Kansas City a better second round pick than the Redskins. Oh, they the Redskins offered a third. Got it. Third and a cornerback. Browns offered a second-round pick. That tells me they wanted Alex Smith badly. That tells me the Chiefs did not want to do Alex Smith dirty and send him to Cleveland. Or maybe they just really liked the kid Fuller and the idea of a third-round pick. It's really interesting. I think that trade shakes things up at the top of the draft more, more than more than you guys realize. Really interesting scenario. Again, I like Rosen. I like Darnold Moore. I don't like Josh Allen at all. I don't think Josh Allen's you know, is a good fit for the Jets. I would be very leery making Josh Allen, you know, a top 10 pick. Because the pressure of being a top 10 pick is much greater than if you go in the second round or even late first. Remember, Paxton Lynch went late first round. Nobody's really calling him a bust. Nobody's killing Elway. I mean, Elway's taking some heat from me. But not a lot of people are killing the Paxton Lynch move. You go late first round, it's not as bad of a bust. You go top five and don't pan out, they're coming for you. The fans are coming for you. It's going to get ugly. Baker Mayfield, I again, I like Baker Mayfield. I like him early second round, late first round. Much better than I like him number eight overall or something. So the draft and free agency, we will definitely be pivoting forward to that after the Super Bowl, We will do a lot of March Madness. I was just talking to producer Rob about gambling. He, you know, uh, listen, I'm not like Rufus Peabody dropping 600K on Super Bowl prop bets, okay? I got a family. I live out here in California. It ain't cheap. But I'm also not doing, you know, just $10 bets. Uh, So March Madness is when I really go a little bonkers because it's March Madness, and I don't only gamble on March Madness, some NBA and NFL and college football. Um, Anyways, enjoy the Super Bowl. Don't be too upset on Monday morning uh, when the Patriots roll and they win another one. Maybe Belichick or Brady walk away. The podcast will be up later. Thanks for listening. Have a safe weekend.
0: 18 plus.